Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Well, the main radio news story this morning, obviously, it is the same story that makes many of the broad, all of the broadsheets and the uh, tabloids on the front page today, and that is the death of Ashling Mur- uh, Murphy, a 23-year-old young woman. Now, she was running um, along the Canal Bank in Tullamore County, Offaly, round about four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, uh, randomly attacked and murdered while out for a jog. And all of the red tops have it today. Uh, jogger killed in horror attack. Man arrested, targeted while running along the canal. Now, officers are working on the theory that she was targeted entirely at random. And they don't believe there was any connection between Ashling and the suspect. Uh, the suspect in the case uh, is understood to be originally from Romania, uh, but has been living locally for some time. And she's running along a very popular walkway in broad daylight in the afternoon. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd wonder, um, is the world or Ireland um, just getting uh, worse and worse when it comes to safety? We're hearing more and more in the courts now of all sorts of issues involving violence and death. Like uh, Josepha Madigan tweeted on Twitter this morning, a young woman can't even go for a run along a canal pathway at four o'clock in the middle of the day only to be attacked and murdered. Sympathies to her family. We need to address why we live in a country where this can happen. And you, if you think about it, you might worry about a son or daughter if they went overseas on their holidays that they'd be safe. You might worry if they were out late at night at a nightclub and wondering how they'd get home and that they'd be safe and issues involving drugs and what have you. But in all fairness, out for a jog at four o'clock um, on a Wednesday afternoon, it's the last thing that you'd worry about. But nonetheless, here we have it. Uh, teach, she was a teacher. Um, her her background is, is amazing. She is a great lover of music and a great performer of music and uh, a school teacher and a well-loved family in the locality. It's absolutely horrific. So it's dominating all of the front pages today. Uh, and you can understand why everybody is completely shocked at this random a senseless attack that led to the loss of a 23-year-old girl's life. Uh, of course, we have other stories in the papers this morning, and, you know, there are all sorts of restrictions with regards to, you know, what you can do from a point of view of hospitality. But the star this morning, and I don't know whether Catherine Martin has just taken a flyer, but she's saying that uh, she's hopeful um, that the uh, nightclubs could open their doors again early, as early as next month. So that's a bit of a flyer when they talk about, uh, you know, we can't make up their mind on the numbers. The official ones are twenty five to 30,000 a day, but possibly an awful lot higher with people walking around with Omicron not knowing it. But it's ripping through the country, they tell us in the star. Uh, and of course, one of the consequences of all of this is that care for different people in society uh, has ground to a halt. And that's why we've got over a million people now on hospital waiting lists. And the examiner this morning saying that on Lee's side, there are 500 vulnerable people waiting for home care support packages in Cork. And they drill into that story in the examiner today and uh, actually give some uh, case examples of elderly people who are in need of help, um, as, as you know, many, many people get uh, on Lee's side with regards to the wonderful work that home health care workers do. Novak Djokovic is in, continues to be in the storm. He, he continues to train. Actually, I can tell you now that he has been listed for a first round match against a fellow Serb on Monday at the Australian. So he's on the running order, if you like. Um, and they call him arrogant in many of the papers because he attended a children's award ceremony with COVID. He did an interview with, an, with a French magazine uh, with COVID. And of course, he flew all over Europe uh, and ticked the box that he didn't. So I don't know what's going to happen there. The question is being asked down under now is, 
why is the Australian government taking so long to make up his mind? Should he stay or should he go? Bit like Boris Johnson. Uh, many of the papers talk today of um, a, a, a dead man walking, but he refuses to quit, even though I don't think there's enough Conservative MPs yet for the, uh, you know, the. I think they need to hit something like 54 letters to the Club of 22. I think they've got about 30 or so. Um, but um, first he said there were no rules broken. Uh, then he said he didn't know about any of the parties. And now he admits that he was at one of them. But then he says you didn't realise it was a party. Uh, he thought it was um, uh, a meeting in the workplace. A bring your own booze meeting in the workplace. So he's quite defiant, as Boris is. Um, talking about, um, you know, I wouldn't describe Colm O'Sullivan down in West Cork as being defiant. I think he's an incredible guy. Thinks outside the box a lot of the time. He's on the air with me yesterday. So his gala shop down in Dunmanway was offering customers a deal where if you bought 24 plastic glasses, you would pay 30 euro for the glasses, the plastic glasses. But you'd get a credit note to the value of 47 euro 34 cent, which could be used to buy a range of items, including uh, 24 cans of alcohol that had the exact same price tag. So you follow me? Well, he was uh, running the plastic glass promotion very well for the last couple of days. But then the HSE Environmental Health Service got involved and asked him to stop the practice. Um, I might get an opportunity to catch up with him this morning to see if he has come up with any other kind of no-good ideas. Uh, but the credit note giveaway um, for the exact same price as a crate of beer um, was stopped, or at least he was asked to stop it. So that makes many of the red tops today. And the lotto will be won on Saturday night, 19 million. You heard that in the news, finally. A story that we dealt with on air over the years is the increasing amount of steroid misuse, particularly on Side. And, you know, if you talk to anybody who runs gyms or people who, uh, you know, give training sessions in gyms, they will tell you that they can tell somebody on steroids a mile off in a gym uh, with regards to the look of them and how buffed up they are and the massive, massive muscle gain. But it's a bigger problem than ever now on Side. Apparently parents are now saying that they're finding steroids in their children's gym bags. Uh, so we got a big issue regarding various types of drug use on, on Side with a most, much younger generation. But talking about on Side, for those of you that remember the Lee Bass, there's a lovely story in the front of the examiner today where we might get a Lido um, is it Lido or Lido, whatever you have in yourself, but it certainly is, to the best of my knowledge, something like the old Lee Baths. It could happen anywhere from the Anglers all the way down to Black Rock. They're not quite sure where, but it will be an outdoor public baths, and I think that would be a fabulous thing, because you probably get an awful lot more than public baths. You know, all of our street art, and I suppose they're not doing any favours by calling it street art, because there's a lot more than that. Many of the murals around, around Leeside, a lot of it by the incredibly talented Connor Harrington, you might see a lot of his work, giant murals all over the city. He's working on one at the moment at Bishop Lucy Park. It's gaining a lot of attention internationally. And uh, there's uh, at least two U.S. magazines now who are talking about Cork and our street art and how fantastic it is. Internationally, they're talking about it now, which is fantastic. A lot of people talk about Operation Transformation. We did too. There are 8,000 people now who have signed a petition calling for RTE to axe Operation Transformation, we dealt with it. It's been very much criticised from Catherine Thomas all the way through the whole structure of the programme. Um, and also in the woke world that we live in, Tinseltown seems to have its own police. Um, and some of them would call it tyrannical, the amount of political correctness that's going through Tinseltown. So much creativity, they're saying, is being stifled. So much talent uh, is being uh, driven away. And, and they give more examples now because of the woke world we live in in the mail this morning where they say Rocky, Tootsie and the Wizard of Oz 
what do they all have in common? Well, a lot, apparently. Um, and you can throw blazing saddles into the mix as well, sending up racism with the black sheriff. Tootsie, which is Dustin Hoffman pretending to be a woman to get acting work. Rocky, because the bad guy, the bad boxer, is black. Uh, and the Wizard of Oz, because they hired people with dwarfism to play munchkins. So all of those will fall up. Like, in the old days, it was the censor's sword or the censor's scissors. But now it's a completely different set uh, who are cancelling movies um, because they just don't agree with the message. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever go through the toll where it's 190 and you leave two euro? Because they don't give you any change. You go anywhere in Europe, you'll get change. Anywhere you get the 10 cent back or 80 cent or whatever. They, not here. Um, I don't know what they do with the 10 cent. Maybe they give it to charity. But when you add it all up, it's 816,000 euro in cash, sitting at toll booths, overpaying for car journeys. People either not taking the change if it's offered, which sounds bizarre to me. But the other one, of course, is the 119. You give two euro, you ain't getting nothing back. Uh, And the papers also talk today about other issues involving numbers. And that is the amount of time in our lives we spend just simply waiting around. 26 days a year waiting and an, aw- <laughs> and an awful lot of that is being put on hold and listening to that god-awful music that they play you on hold just to torture you even more. It happened to me yesterday. I got an absolute rocket of a gas bill. So I'm on the phone ringing around getting back onto energy or trying to get a better deal and you have the ding, 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 ding or whatever the hell it is. It's a head wreck. You'd almost say, I'll pay the huge gas bill. I'll continue to pay it. Just get me away from the on-hold music. But other things apparently besides that are sitting in traffic, scrolling through social media, waiting for the kettle to boil. It never will, incidentally, if you stand watching it. And making cups of tea. Now, waiting around making cups of tea is more of a pleasure because, you know, that's something nice, I suppose. But if you care about your weight... Tea will never affect it. But sharing food with somebody will. Uh, I know I'm running over time on this, so I'll come back to a lot of the other topics across the morning. But they're saying if you care about your weight, really, do not share plates of food. Do not get sharing plates. Do not get a sharing starter. They say that psychologically you dismiss the sharing plate because you don't really believe that it's your food that your food really only starts to be eaten when you get your own main plate. But they talk about chips. Um, and I don't know how many people out there have the horrors if anybody reaches over and takes one of their chips. Some people wouldn't mind if it was your partner or someone that you slept in the same bed with or a son or a daughter, I suppose, wouldn't really matter. But when strangers do it, I know people, if somebody reached over to a bowl of chips and took one and they weren't in their direct lineage, if you like, that's it. They won't touch another one of the chips, but the papers talk of it today. A lot of the foodie stories. We'll go back to them. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone as always. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. That's, this is one of the most amazing stories you're ever going to hear. Talk about coincidence. Talk about luck. Talk about karma. I don't know what you would call it, but we were talking on the air at the back end of last week, Friday, to Paddy O'Flynn from St. Vincent de Paul. And we were talking about a tsunami of calls to the St. Vincent de Paul, right? That's what we were talking about at the time. Um, And then we got chatting about other issues, including their fundraisers and the fact that they had a big Christmas raffle. 
and a huge draw. And one of the prizes, of course, was a brand new motor car. Now, I know I have a clip from this. Uh, things, this is a clip from Friday's program. This is, uh, uh, or is this, no, you jump up at me there because you're just putting some audio in there. You have a better idea as to what it is just before I get stuck into this. What's the audio? This audio is of Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher telling Aileen the news last night. Okay. So you want me to run the audio first or her first? Um, <laughs> it's up, I'd say talk to Aileen. And All right, then, okay. Then, yeah. So the audio is not from Friday. It's actually the Lord Mayor. So Aileen. Yes, Neil. So you're listening to the programme on Friday and you hear me talking to Paddy O'Flynn from the St. Vincent de Paul saying that it was D-Day for the Christmas raffle. You need to buy a ticket today, as in Friday, yeah? Yeah. What happened next? Um, I had literally just got back into my car and um, I had was listening to TV and um, I was driving into a friend's house and I said, you know what, give it a go, Eileen. What can you lose? Um... I wouldn't have um, a whole pile of money. In fact, it was probably going into rent money. Ah, it was your last 20 euro, I'm told. It was. was. And a long Um, month of January ahead as well. I'm I'm very good at robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, I juggle constantly. I'm doing doing it for years. So I took a chance. And I went into um, my friend's house and... um, I think at that stage, by the time I got there, it was 11, I had a cup of tea, half 11, went, oh my goodness, I've got to go online. Um, and I couldn't get through the first time I clicked the link and um, I just said to my friend, I said, oh, you know, it's not meant to be, it's 20 quid, I won't lose, la la la. And then I said, you know what, I'll give it one more shot. And I did. Um, and I forgot about it after that. I thought of it yesterday um, during the day and I, in kind of in passing, I went, ah, well, I didn't win the car. So, you know, 20 quid down. What about it? Okay. All right. Um, so then last it? night, you forgot all about it, obviously. But last night you got a phone call, didn't you? I had a missed call. All right. Um, and a text message, please ring me urgently. And it was so, from who? I have no idea. It was obviously the Vin- I didn't know at this time. It was the girl in the Vincent Paul who was who was um, overseeing. So you actually okay. So you're from Ballincollig, and you got a phone call from another individual from Ballincollig. Have a listen to this. It just happens to be the Lord Mayor, right? Yeah. Councillor Colin Kelleher. Amy. You're, you're actually, I'm in front of a load of um, photographers and the good people here at St. Vincent de Paul and uh, a, a priest and, uh, and the good people here and the good people here in, um, in, uh, in CAB. Aileen, you entered the draw for a car. Yes! Congratulations. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, no, congratulations, you've won again a brand new Ford Focus. <laughs> is that your scream? Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm actually blocking my nose and trying not to cry this minute. Honestly, Neil, you have no idea what this means to my, me and my family. <laughs> it's what is it? It's a brand new Ford Focus from CAP Shining, low tax bracket, heated seats. My phone goes through the car. This is. Absolutely amazing. So you're, you're probably driving an old wreck that does none of those things. Oh, my poor old car. Now, it's a lovely car, but I can't afford it. I It was pure 
pure default I got what I have um, I did pay for it but it kind of came down along the line it's 18 years old with very high tax high insurance and is constantly in need of TLC well you won't need that with the Ford Focus they had a priest standing by in case you collapsed and needed last rites they were going to send the priest out apparently with the shock of it yeah I don't know what I needed. I tell you, I'm uh, like, it, it, <laughs> oh, it's it, it's so surreal. And you know, I I'm in in recovery. So the first thing I did after the call was go to a meeting. To Good girl. Good girl. Um, it's it's like people will say, you know, good things happen to good people. Never ever give up. And I didn't. And I haven't. And whatever about having a brand new spanking car under my arse, it's just. The, it, it's just good news, good story, positivity, and it just lifted me from the most horrendous low I was in last week to being ecstatic. Um, like, I couldn't afford to change my car. I don't think I would ever have the circumstances to have a brand new car. Yeah. I, You know, it's just, life is tough for a lot of people. Yeah. And when you get a call like that, you know, even if it was a 2014 car, I would probably have had the same reaction because it's new to me. It's something I didn't have. It's something I will never be able to do on my own steam. Last and in wins. You probably were one of oh, the last tickets like bought. Ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes before the draw closed. Because <laughs> you might. We all have these ideas. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm definitely going to do that. And an hour might pass, and a few hours have passed, and a day passes, and the and the. And the urge just disappears. It didn't with you. You just got it done. I mean, I think I, somebody I, was looking out for me, Neil. To be fair, okay. I, I, I really do. And you know, if if it might sound, sound convoluted, and we were told it when we were children that somebody's looking out for you, and there is. And um, you know, my my poor old car wouldn't last much longer, and I don't have to worry about that now. That's one less thing. Oh off my God! You need to do the lotto on Saturday night. There's 19 million going to begging. <laughs> I don't think I'll push my luck anymore now, to be fair. Why not? They call it a winning streak. You never know. If, if I sell the, the jalopy I have outside, I'll get oil for the tank to keep us warm and I'll get a new microwave. <laughs> and there you go. Uh, a zero six Audi. I think, you, what, would you, what would you make? Maybe a grand? 12, 1300? I tell you, it's a grand that I didn't have last Shock Friday. Shock it down. Anybody want to buy a zero six Audi? <laughs> For sale. <laughs> Very low mileage, and it's huge. Oh my God, that was the most incredible. Give me one of them. Sc- give me one of them screams, there, would you? Oh my God! I oh I can't. I'll frighten the neighbours again. Um, but you know, yes, I've won a car. It's absolutely amazing. I'm trying to watch my P's and Q's because I have a sore mouth, Neil, and I know I have to be bleached. But oh my God! <laughs> Well done, Eileen. You're my kind of gal. Fair play to you. I'm absolutely delighted. Well done. It's thank fantastic. You, it's amazing. Can um, I just say thank you? I want it just before you say it, thank you. I want to see a. I want to see a photograph of you standing sitting behind the wheel of it now. Next, all right? Oh, in my glad rags, absolutely. When are you getting delivery? Um, I think I don't know exactly what date, but it's next week someday. Oh, well, listen, we'll see that photograph next week then. Okay, back to you. Brilliant. What do you want to can say? I, can I just say thank you to the, the, the Vincent de Paul who helped me out back in 2015 and helped me out again this week? Um, and to CAB Motors, to you, because I was listening to you on the radio, and um, 
to Colin for giving me the call yesterday and picking me out. So, lovely. Yeah. yeah, lovely. Lovely text here saying that girl is a ticket herself. She well deserves it. She cheered us all up. So, you, I mean, isn't that isn't that an incredible story that you in the past have used the services of Vincent yeah, 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 they helped me out with um, a single mom, two young kids in Kerry. Um, they brought, they got me oil. They um, brought a food hamper. They came back again at Easter with kid with eggs for the kids. I've no shame in saying any of that. I can't think of anybody that deserves to win a car more than that, considering what you're going through. Uh, and and you're saying, uh, would the would would the reaction to a car win like that trigger issues where you say I have to go to an AA meeting? Um, I didn't give it a chance to trigger any issues. Two, year, two and a half, three years ago, I would probably have gone straight to a celebratory bottle of vodka. And yesterday, I went to my tea caddy. You're amazing. You're amazing. You take and it one you know, day at a time. Oh, yesterday was by the minute. <laughs> so life um, was tough two and a half, three years ago. And, uh, oh, you're you know, anybody who is suffering with any addiction, um, it's... It's not a nice place to be, Neil. Um, you've spoken about it with many people on the, on the radio. Um, but there is so many, there's so much out there. You know, my life has changed dramatically since yeah. I went into recovery. Yeah. Um, not financially, not materialistically, but my life and the way I look at it and the way I enjoy my life. Because well, you were probably in free fall a few years back. Was it a gradual oh. thing? Did it creep up on you? Um, it, it, I would have had three years of hell um, of my own making yeah, um, yeah. and um, it, I, had, I had hit rock bottom a couple of times but didn't realise it um, and I had given up then um, um, and it was sep- uh, 16th of September 2000 and what are we now 19 and where, how did you where did you get that strength on that day to make that change I had no choice it was either die or go to a meeting fair play to fair play so to best I thing you ever did meeting um, and I've been doing it since, and you know, it's just like we, we with all of it. It has nothing to do with my sobriety, but it has everything to do with my recovery. Um, mm. I wouldn't have spent that twenty euros, euros three years ago. Mm. Um, You'd have bought a bottle of vodka. I'd have bought a bottle of vodka, probably two if I could get them on special offer. Oh my god! Um, and you know, it's like it just, just. To know, like we still have all these things if you're in recovery you still have all the life things you still have all the shit you still have all the hard times bad times sad times glad times but it's easier to manage them now I won't say yesterday's call was easier to manage because I went a bit chaotic but you know well like, at least I you went to a meeting and didn't go for go and, yeah I know yeah 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 um, so yeah it, it, as I said nothing to do with recovery you know it doesn't say to you you're going to be a millionaire you're going to have loads of money you're going to have life but it gives it, it's given me a life that's worth living oh yeah if you look back to two or three years ago and the many yeah. years before that yeah. it's probably like a yeah. nightmare existence whereas yeah. now at least you're on the right track on the right path and you know what this win uh, maybe that's just maybe that's just the universe uh, confirming your change and wishing you well. I don't know. I mean, do you know what? It's my 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 the fellow that's looking after me up there. It's him saying that car is going to give up soon. Here you are. But it's also possibly a reward for the work that you've done in turning your life around. Who knows? Who knows? Who, 
I don't know and I don't care. I have a lovely new car I'm selecting next, next week, Neil, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. It's so lovely to chat with you. It really is on a lot of different levels. I'm delighted for you. Don't forget you that so Don't much. forget that photograph next week. I want to no, see no, a big no, beaming no, smile in the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Thanks a million, Neil. All right, Aileen, have a great day. Thanks, hon. Yee-hoo! <laughs> If you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number, 0818-104-106. Please hang up and try again. Cork's Red FM. Awesome, great text. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM Text 086-8104-106 So, so happy for that lady Aileen Put a smile on my face on this cold morning It's so well deserved Keep fighting the good fight And best of luck with your recovery journey Another one, I'm thrilled to hear that beautiful girl Speaking about her new car, fair play I'm delighted to hear such a beautiful story Yes, we are all delighted And I'm sure that Vincent and Paul are delighted too So, so good to hear Some good happy news on the radio to start the day Delighted Delighted for that woman and the best of luck to her with her new car. Keep the good vibes going, Neil. Uh, The call we all needed to hear during these tough times this morning on the air. Fair play to you and that fantastic woman, well-deserved winner. And there's more. I just wanted to say how happy I am for this lady, Aileen. She's obviously been through a tough time. And as the saying goes, good things come to those who wait. Sounds like I couldn't have, sounds like it couldn't have happened to a better person. I'm so happy for her. And one more. Ah, yeah, there's lots more. I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Many people actually get in touch who actually know Aileen. Jennifer's saying that she really deserves it. She's the loveliest woman in the world. So it's a great story, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's a really happy story and it's an amazing way that, you know, listening on the air and then just before the deadline, her last 20 euro, Robin Peter to pay Paul. She goes and wins, wins herself a Ford Focus. Superb. Okay, text 0868104106. Busy morning, lots of calls, lots of texts, lots of emails. Adele, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Congratulations to Aileen. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was her. Isn't it the greatest win? It's just Super, like a mi- it's like a million euro. It really is, and she should do I, the lotto Saturday night. You never know. She certainly should. Yeah, gosh, we'd all like a bit of that, wouldn't they, we? Well, they say lightning never strikes twice, but you never know. You, you never, never know. know. You never know. Listen, I love picking up stories from what people witness when they're out and about on their scove or walks. What did you recently come across? Well, just a friend forwarded to me. I wasn't following this person at all, but it was a little video clip of a woman. Um, she was very um, calm and collected. She wasn't kind of um, saying anything against the restaurant in particular or the bar. But on this particular day, she was out, I assume, with her husband and a dog for a walk. Somewhere in Cork, obviously. Yeah, let me just say that. It's Cork, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, she said it was a Cork restaurant, um, maybe city centre. As I said, I don't know these people at all, but um, it was a miserable day, dark grey, and they were sitting outdoors with their dog. The lady of the house came out of the the landlady. She said, why don't you come indoors? And she said, oh gosh, I have the dog. And the lady very kindly said, sure, we have a nice quiet corner. The dog be no problem. Off you come in. We're not that busy. So they went to get up to go in, very grateful. And then she said, have you got your COVID pass? And they didn't. So her statement really was just think about it. And this is what made me think about the COVID pass a bit more as we kind of flash it around. The dog was going to be let in, but they as humans were not going to be let in. And I just thought the imagery and the optics of that for me kind of made me sit up and think about the COVID pass, 
what is it actually for? What is it about? Now, in your text, you used the word apartheid, and uh, so did John O'Donovan on the air yesterday. So in the case space of 24 hours, two different people called COVID passes and restrictions yeah. a form of apartheid. Well, I'd say maybe a form of apartheid is a better word um, on reflection, because apartheid, I think, when you look it up, is very much about the, the, the atrocities and evils that happened in, in South Africa. But there is kind of um, a linkage, I think, in that, um, for whatever reason, people choose to not become vaccinated. And there, our friend yesterday said he was terrified. And I know lots of people are actually terrified of it. And right, so without this vaccine passport, you know, you are discriminated against. You, you, you so in. dogs are allowed in, but not humans. Yeah. That's the level but that not, we've reached, you believe. Yeah, I do. And I think if you and I were having this conversation last year and I, and I said that, you'd say, Edel, you're cracked. But this is what we're at, that, you know, a dog is allowed into a restaurant and a human wasn't allowed into a restaurant. Mm, there mm. has to be something wrong with that or else I'm missing something. And I'd be delighted if somebody could tell me what I'm missing. I suppose but, the lady or the woman who owned the pub or managed the pub or the restaurant or whatever felt that she couldn't let her in for if she got a visit from the HSC or an oh, inspector, absolutely. it wouldn't be worth the risk, you know? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing against the lady in the pub. She was being very kind, but... You know, the, 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 the rules need to be looked at because Killian de Gascoigne, the head virologist in Ireland, Tony Hoolan, our CMO, and many, many others have said that vaccinated and unvaccinated people transmit the virus in similar viral loads. Now, that's there. You know, you can look up Twitter. Yeah, I'd like you take can it, see yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, so what, like, the, what, are, what, what are the COVID passes achieving if everybody can transmit infection? Why are we keeping unvaccinated people away from vaccinated people? Maybe it's for the sake of the unvaccinated people. They're at bigger risk, perhaps, without a virus, without a vaccine. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's the maybe it's true. the vaccinated now are protecting the unvaccinated. Well, I think the unvaccinated is a very small minority of people. I think we're told something like you know less than six percent of this. Taking up half the ICU beds, though, you know. I, I mean, I don't want to fight that fight again, but that that is. I know, I know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm also be, I'm also told that I, I, they tell me that I shouldn't be asking people about their own status. It's very hard not to ask somebody their own status when they have a strong opinion of this on air. But do, do you have a COVID pass? Um, I told your researcher, I, I, I what happened to GDPR? So at the very outset of this, I was walk, walking along the country lanes, minding my own business. Somebody would casually say, hi, Dal, how are you doing? You know, have you got your vaccine? And I've said to many people, listen, whether I have it or not, that's, it's my business. <laughs> that's right, and, that's right, it is. You know, when did it become <laughs> acceptable for... I was in um, a supermarket <laughs> yesterday and I was in... I put on my mask, went to sanitise my hands. There was another lady in front of me at the sanitizer, and she then just at the top of her voice, said to the security man standing there doing his job, have you had your vaccine? I just looked at him and he looked at me. He said, how did that become acceptable? <laughs> but maybe, I don't know that she's interrogating the guy. Maybe it's just conversation. You know, maybe it's just a chat. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> you know, it's, it is a strange conversation to be having. <laughs> we don't go around asking people, did they have their cervical check done? Or yeah, but, we are, but people ask their friends, have you had the second jab? And then they ask, have you, did you get a booster yet? It's not kind of like that. They, oh, it's not that they think family. they're typhoid Mary. Like it's just that they. I know, curious. but between friends and family, that's absolutely fine. But casual acquaintances or 
um, you know, I'd say... Asking a stranger. Not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I think people have to think about, I've heard of so many people, thankfully, I don't know them directly, but my my heart goes out to them and their families, who have committed suicide recently. Yeah, sure, I know. So, I know. people that might have been able to go to a gym for their mental health or the cinema or a pub or a restaurant are now socially isolated. And we have to also remember some people are terrified of the vaccine. Some are allergic to it. Some can't have it because of contraindications of other medication. So what's going to happen? Are they going to be excluded from life forever? Ah, well, I mean, I can't take anything for granted anymore, not after the last two years, but uh, are are you suggesting that we'll always have some form of restriction or pass for vaccinated and unvaccinated people? Hardly, though. I I think so, yeah, because they say things are temporary measures. So if you think of the universal health charge, is that 10 years ago? Was it a temporary measure to get us through that recession? We still have it, as far as I know. When I look at my my tax returns. Yeah, well, as, as a nation, though, we haven't gone as far as six or eight other European countries that have brought in mandatory vaccinations and actually fine the over 50s for not being vaccinated. You know, oh, so thank, thank, thank the Lord for that because, I mean, what happened to the mantra that was used very successfully in 2018, my body, my choice. I mean, people have to take their own um, bodily integrity into consideration here. I know what you're saying, yeah. But the can't poor, be mandated. But the poor old woman with the dog, uh, well, I don't know if she was elderly or not, but the poor woman with the dog was left outside in the rain. Yeah, and I think if people think about that, you know, the humans out in the rain and the dog was going to be let in. And, um, you know, the messages are so mixed. Here we now have another change that if you're vaccinated and asymptomatic, you can go about your business. That's right. That's right. Vaccinated and boosted. now was deadly dangerous, we were told. (sighs) We were told not to use antigen tests. Um, Philip Nolan called them snake oil. Now they're being handed out for thankfully, for free. So rather than the COVID pass, it has to be an antigen test to get into a pub or a restaurant or a cinema or a gym. Yeah, well, that would make perfect minutes. sense to me. And then you can let and anybody much, in. Yeah, it's much more accurate because the COVID pass is actually, you know, it's the only thing it tells you now at this point in time because the vaccines are, are gone down in their effectiveness is that you've had a vaccine. It doesn't tell you that you don't have COVID. Chalk it down. So a damn good antigen test, a quality yeah. one, will tell you whether you're actually positive or negative Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Cheers, Adele. Have a great day. Thanks for the call. Uh, Appreciate you too, your contribution. Neil. Thanks. God bless. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. So take a fast call this side of the break. Laura, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Hi, I'm Grant. You were listening to Anor yesterday on air. And... Uh, awful reaction that she has had to uh, COVID um, both physically but we drilled in more into the mental side effects of it just depression doom and gloom and very down where you want you wanted to pick up on that yeah um, our entire household got it the week before Christmas um, and it started with my husband he had just a positive antigen he's in the Navy so he before they go to sea they have to have a an antigen test and they popped up positive so they, um, he didn't want to come home because obviously he was afraid in case he would infect us if he hadn't already been infected. Yeah. But he would have had to stay on base for the 10 days, you know, completely away from us. And we were kind of going, no, look, we'd get you up in the room and we'll isolate you or whatever. But for the two days before our test came back, for the two days he was stuck in the room, I, you know, you could see the difference in... Do you know, being completely locked down for two days. 
you know... You could see the difference in him. Yeah. You know, like, just sleeping. And Now, I know he was sick and he couldn't get his head off the pillow from... He had very dizziness and... How long ago was this? Just the start of... this, the week before... the Monday and the Tuesday before Christmas Eve. Mm, okay, it's amazing. And, you know, it did, it just took a massive toll for those two days that he was isolated, stuck in his room. Do you know that? Sl- I think he, he, sl- he slept most of it, did he? Yeah, yeah. Exhaustion. You know, was somebody was breathing? Did he have problems with breathing, dizziness, chest pains, something like that? No, he's not like that now. He was just um, dizzy. Um, he'd headaches, very, a lot of head pressure and just dizziness every time he stood up. But, like, we just kind of realised he just couldn't get stayed in bed and wasn't talking to anyone nothing you know I suppose it's a feeling oh I've ruined Christmas or you know all this kind of stuff because he was the first one to test positive as we said it could have been anyone in the house that brought it and then in the coming days did you all test positive was it we we did yeah yeah, on the Wednesday yeah. Wednesday of what before Christmas yeah oh my god my daughter and then on Christmas Eve my two boys um, so yeah. So it really um, was. It really was the virus that ruined Christmas, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, my husband couldn't get out of bed till the day after Christmas, or Stevenson's Day. So how was? Uh, what did you do Christmas Eve and Christmas Day itself? I fought like hell to get it all done myself because my husband couldn't get up, and I was still sick. But I suppose being a mammy, you just we got it done. Like I still, I'm still like even speaking, I'm still get out of breath. Um. Like, my husband's kind of similar. We've no energy. It's the exhaustion and the tiredness that that lady was speaking of. We still have it. We've no energy to get up to do anything. It's a fight every morning to pull ourselves out of bed. It's and like that's double-vaxxed and boosted, right? I'm boosted, yeah. My husband's double-vaccinated. Um, he was supposed to get his booster that week. Yeah, the, yeah. I imagine that whatever vaccine was in him was gone at that stage. You know what um, I mean? What was the appetite like then? No, nothing. Uh, our turkey and our ham went in the bin really oh uh, yeah a lot of money down the did you get bin. any joy out of presents or did Santa um, come he did well we were seven year olds so Santa came to her um, and the, well, obviously the, I was 17 and 21 year old so Santa came to them too but um, yeah my husband was able to get off for probably about 30 40 minutes watch them open their presents and he couldn't get out of bed again for the rest of the, oh my God. the day so it was and no one at dinner Every, like everyone's dinner is almost the size of the 7 year olds <laughs> oh no one the appetites and it's only in the last week that appetites are starting to come oh that's a Christmas so, you'll never forget no no so we said now maybe next week or the week after we might just try to get a small turkey and ham and read, do, a, right. uh, do a do-over you know? dead right leave the Christmas tree up I hope you did did you <laughs> no we had to take it down oh the, the dust was getting on top of us, though. No, we couldn't. <laughs> the oh, my God. You had a tough time of it. Oh, um, listen. Yeah, it was, it was a long haul. Um, the kids flew through it, though, um, thankfully. Um, but just myself and my husband still have the after effects. And sure, we're probably, what, three weeks now? That we're still, like, I still get out of breath just from conversation, just from a conversation. And my husband can't get back to the gym or nothing. He tried yesterday. He was like, no, I can't. But is he, are you both slowly improvement? Are you, are you? Um, I suppose, like, like energy wise, no, that's still no at all. That's not improving, but we're forcing ourselves to keep, like, I could happily sit in bed and not do nothing. But we got straight back to work and we, we're trying to get back into the, the exercise and then trying to get back to a bit of normality. Um, as yeah. I said to Brenda yesterday, I couldn't come back on the air yesterday because I was going to get my tattoo. I was supposed to get Christmas week. Did you get um, it? I did yesterday, yeah. 
tattoo. Yeah. What's on? What is it on your arm, your leg? Should I even and ask? I, on my back, yeah. I got this. Um, I had a, a tattoo when I was eighteen. That obviously, Joe, you're eighteen. Small little thing in the middle of my back. So I was mad to get it covered for years. So so what does it matter? Time. You can't see it. I know. When for the summer would be great. <laughs> So you had a um, small little one, like what was that, a rose or something? Or? No, it was I, it was a tribal symbol or something when I was 18. I went in and, you know, you picked one off the wall. Oh, I like that one. You know, no thought went into it, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a very good friend of mine, Michael Nolan, he's down in Cargoline, and um, I sent him off a few pictures that I liked, and he drew me up a, a beautiful picture, and um, three and a half hours of tattooing it onto my back yesterday. So What is it? Is, uh, how big is it? it? Is? It's, it's, it's big enough, it's, three beautiful roses and kind of some like lace detail work behind it and he was able to cover the tattoo in the middle then you know well, why in the name of God would you put it on your back you can't see it you can in the summer I can't see it but how can you what see what's on your back when I look in the mirror but if you'd put it somewhere else in the front of your summer you'd see it all the time I know well, I have a, I got, he gave, gave me one last year as well on my leg I got a lovely one on my thigh last year as well <laughs> Um, I'm nice as well, do you know? What I hit my 40s, I think it was just get it all done now. I always said I wanted to get them done and I just never did. So once I hit Apparently 40... People, people find them very attractive. I was reading some research the other day about what women find attractive about, about men and in the younger generation, a lot of them love tattoos. I mean, yeah, they want them to be fit like, and... You know, yeah, like, you know, my husband was having a good few with tattoos and stuff now as well. And I always said I wanted them, but I was always, I suppose, more scared or something, do you know? Do they all have tattoos all over them in the Navy? A lot of them would, I suppose. I'm not sure, not all of them, but a lot of them would, I suppose. An anchor you know? and rope, is it? No, no none of them. <laughs> he doesn't have, no. What about, a tra- uh, what about a tramp stamp on your lower back? No. No? No. Step too no. far? Yeah, for me anyway, yeah. What about ma'am in Indian ink across your knuckles? No, no, I, I wouldn't know, <laughs> not that one anyway. <laughs> I love me ma'am, with a heart. <laughs> Um, no, no, no names. The only names my husband has is three kids in Ohm Racing. Do the Ohm Racing. What? Um, Ohm Racing. Do the old style of Celtic Racing. Yeah. All the lines. Yeah, he's the three kids down his back in that racing. <laughs> um, that's the only names that anyone's getting on. Well, that's grand because the kids aren't going anywhere, but a that's lot of people it. get partners' names or no, girlfriends. No, and no, then no. years and later, of course. It, yeah. And we're together 22 years, so... <laughs> Well, it's like still no. It, I think it's like almost a steely death if you got someone's name on you. <laughs> and is it painful the tattoo? Three yeah. hours of buzzing. Yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah. Now it wasn't too bad in certain areas, but up towards the top of the spine, it was getting that would be one of the worst areas, I suppose. For me, definitely. Now to that twenty thirty minutes, it was that bit more um, tougher. Um, like I could hold the conversation through the rest of it, so it wasn't too bad. What? There was parts of it where you couldn't even speak with the pain. Just, just towards the end, yeah. Which is, I suppose, you're getting sore and tender, and some of the needles are bigger than others. Like the smaller <laughs> needles are fine. Actually, I love to chat with other people about tattoo regrets from maybe when they were younger. That would be an interesting topic to hear from other people on. Did you ever get a tattoo you regretted and what have you done with it? So thank, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Nick. Thank you for that train of thought. Laura, good luck with the, the COVID recovery. Congratulations on the tattoo. Thank you. 
thank you very much. Mind yourself. Cheers. We'll see you again. Bye. Bye-bye. Tattoos, lads. Regrets. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Uh, I played you the uh, live mic issue down in Australia there yesterday, just before we came on air. It was the two Australian newsreaders who were caught. Um, well, apparently it, was, it wasn't broadcast or live or anything like that. They were just having a chat amongst each other, which was Rebecca and Mike, um, and they made international news for bad-mouthing um, uh, Novak Djokovic. Now, she, Rebecca seems to be the one that's getting all the heat, and your man doesn't seem to be mentioned very much at all. I mean, uh, she said at one stage, whatever way you look at it, Novak Djokovic is a lying, sneaking, A-R-S-H hole. That's what she said. And, of course, this clip then, it's about two minutes long, this video clip of them sitting, um, you know, in their, in their seats on the, in the studio TV set, uh, was then leaked. And there's a big investigation now, apparently, by the uh, television network, Channel 7, uh, as to who leaked the footage. And there's an internal vest- investigation uh, at 7, um, because apparently they say that the, the video clip itself was timestamped, so they might be able to work out who was working then. So I don't know what will happen to whoever leaked it, uh, but they are saying that it wasn't a disgruntled staff member. So who in the name of God could it have been? Uh, but the, re- the reaction in Australia is amazing, because the most, most Australians who are commenting on it um, very much agree very much agree with uh, what Rebecca Madern said. She, many said like she's just saying what everyone else was thinking. Another said good on them it was a private conversation and they only said what most Australian public think anyway that Novak Djokovic is a lying sneaking A-R-S-E-H-O-L-E and that she had every right to share her conversation which he believed to be private but it got me thinking about, about live mics to be honest with you. I know Phil Burke won't mind but you may remember on uh, Tuesday in the middle of the two o'clock news, and I've chatted with Phil since then about this. Apparently, he had the most glorious bowl uh, of Cully and Sully soup, uh, but didn't actually realise uh, that his uh, that his mic was open, and he went. The Teachers Union of Ireland says there's no justification for providing a hybrid Leaving Cert option this year. Cork TD Donica uh, O'Callaghan and Fina Gale, Senator Rena Doherty have called for students to have the choice. <laughs> Poor old Kelly hadn't a clue what went on. In fairness, she recovered and just carried on being the professional she is. But it's not the first time that Phil Burke hasn't realised that his mic was live. Um, because some time back, while I was on... Actually, to be honest with you, a lot of the time, it's my fault because I shouldn't have left his mic line open. I'm supposed to close newsreaders' mic lines and I constantly forget about it. They're reminding me all of the time. So back in 2016... Um, he sat into a different studio away from me to do some work um, and uh, his line was open to me and it went on air and that was this one. Uh, basically half of Bishopstown, half of Blanchine and then as you move in towards the city centre. Okay, so we'd have Billy Kelleher and we'd have um, Darren Murphy. Uh, who else we got? Oh, my brother. My brother. Who else have we got up there? You've got Jonathan O'Brien and Kathleen Lynch. Sorry about that. There was another line came in there. Jonathan O'Brien. So, he's mimicking me, I think, or maybe some might say mocking me, but... And there was another one. There's a third one. Uh, again, the same year. He had a good run in 2016, Phil, to be honest with him. He told her that even though his church had agreed to bury her son, even though she and her son both grew up in the church, her son could not now be buried Hallelujah! Wow. Sorry. I don't know how that happens sometimes when the studios come in. That was uh, Philip Burke having a hallelujah moment there. They're my fault. 
I suppose to close is my claim. They claim that years ago, in a conversation with uh, Santa Claus at the North Pole, live on air, that I went into an ad break in the middle of my chat with Santa Claus and I said to him uh, in talkback off air, um, listen, Santa, less of the effing ho-hos. I thought he might have been ho-hoing too much, but I didn't say effing. I said the whole word. That was, that was apparently captured by people. I don't have audio. To be quite honest with you, I don't recall it, but everybody tells me that it happened, that I said to Santa Claus, uh, Santa, less of the effing ho-hos. So whether it's true or not, I'll take it. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show And it's day four of our giveaways in association with Satori Clinic They're down at Langford Row in the city and they do uh, a very wide range of treatments including acupuncture, cupping and acupressure So a variety of therapies and skills available that can fix a lot of health disorders for you So two 150 euro vouchers again We'll have two winners just before midday. So it's a new you and a new year and you can use those vouchers to improve your health. Uh, So therefore, we're dealing with songs that have new in the title or indeed perhaps the singer or the band might have new in the title. But there's three of them nonetheless, artists and titles when I open the phone lines just before midday. One of the all-time greats there at the end. So one of them is the name of the artist has it, and the other two, the songs have it. So all three artists and titles are playing a couple of times between now and uh, midday today, courtesy of ourselves and Satori Clinic. Texts from yesterday, including, um, I really, really enjoyed all of the information that we got uh, regarding property prices on Leaside yesterday. And much of the conversation, of course, had to do with how much people can afford and how much more they're paying for houses and where they want to buy, of course, depends uh, very much on the price. Um, you can't get a crash in places, uh, well, actually, I was talking about Balancholic really and truly has come on leaps and bounds. And Fairness is a fabulous place now. But Texter says you were talking about Balancholic yesterday, but you can't get a crash place in Balancholic at the moment. There's so many young families and so few places. There are crash waiting lists in Balancholic. There needs to be better urban planning in these towns. And you can't keep building houses and not have the facilities to service all of the young families moving into them. But I can't help but think in this, um, you know, commercial world we live in, if there aren't enough creche facilities or places, why don't businesses open more creches? Surely there's more business opportunities out there for people to build creches. You're telling me that there's nowhere to put them. Uh, But in spite of that, of course, when you talk about young families buying houses in particular areas, you've got to have the infrastructure. I know that's just roads and water and gas and electric, but you also have to have the services. I urge a segment about the property market. Uh, My New Year's resolution is to find a house off market. Any help is greatly appreciated. Too embarrassed to speak on air. We'll be interested in the Blarney Street area. Here's hoping. Love the show. Happy New Year. Well, it's out there. If any, but you, when you say off market means you don't want to be going on daft or you don't want to be going to uh, estate agents or anything like that. You just want to do a private deal. Never know who might be listening. Uh, and my conversation yesterday with John O'Donovan uh, with regards to the craziness of uh, restrictions and the world that we live in now with uh, the virus. I completely agree with John. We need to stand up to government. We need to stand up to NEFID. Enough is enough. Time to get back to normal life before it's gone forever. 
John Dunham was making an interesting point yesterday. He said, um, if there was mandatory vaccines or mandatory certificates, would the 95% of people who are vaccinated march on the streets with the 5% who weren't for civil liberties? Um, just listening to John, I agree wholeheartedly with him. I understand the fear people have of COVID, but the fear of someone who does not want a vaccine is absolutely distressing. Will we ever be able to dine indoors again or go for drinks with friends? Terrified to bring the kids into the, into the world the way things are going. There is now corruption at every corner. Well, our politicians don't do themselves any favours, do they? That man neither here nor in the States nor in the UK as we see in the moment. John's dead right. We need to stand up and get off the, and get off the certs. Pubs will never be the same again as long as they're in place. They should shut up about it unless they stand up and do something about it. People would rather meet in houses now if one in, if one in their group is unvaccinated. So the pubs will always lose out. I uh, can't believe I'm saying this, but for the first time in my life I have to agree with John. Where in God's name are we going with suggested mandatory vaccination? Well, we're going nowhere, Hall Martin said. It's not going to happen. But then again, you know, you trust politicians. Where does it stop? Unvaccinated people can't even go to a gym. It's nothing more than a circus. Vaccinated people are protected. I can't understand why they worry about the unvaccinated. This argument of the unvaccinated taking up hospital beds is ridiculous. Are we going to take such a heavy stance against people who end up in hospital through alcohol abuse, for instance, drug abuse, cigarette abuse, or being severely obese, having heart disease? How do we distinguish between these people and the unvaccinated, particularly with regards to overloading the health system? Thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Just um, staying with uh, on-air bloopers, right? Uh, stuff like that, whether it was the newsreaders in Australia, whether it was whether it was Phil Burke or whether it was me with Santa Claus or, or things like that. Frank, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy ah, well, fair play to you, boy. You have the memory of an elephant. <laughs> and the body. <laughs> <laughs> I think elephants are quite attractive. Don't worry about that. So you're re- rewinding the clock back to the 90s, are you? 1994, Neil. Um, Ireland qualified for the World Cup in America. And tickets were actually hard to come by. There was a dedicated number in America that you had to ring I... to try it. Try and book tickets for different matches. Yeah, I, 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 I know so, what you're talking about, but I can't help but think that it might have been '98 when the World no, Cup it, was in it, France. It can't be because Ireland didn't qualify for that World Cup. '94, okay. '94, definitely. Um, so uh, you're a, a fairly new. I mean, this is 28 years ago now. So <laughs> a, a, a fairly new broadcaster was live on air. So he said he'd chance this phone number in America to see if he could get anything. Eventually he got he got an answer and I think I think he booked tickets for two or three games and then proceeded to give out all his credit card details live on air. <laughs> You'll never remember who it was, will you? <laughs> it was me. It was. <laughs> I absolutely know I was I was half the age I am now. Yeah. Um, you You're very kind to me. I was far from a new broadcaster in 1998, <laughs> 20 I, years uh, under my belt at that stage. I, I know that you were about 50 I remember that. And the reaction was extraordinary on the air because people were, I don't know, did we, could we text then? We probably could text then, I'm not quite sure. But the phone lines were lighting up and saying, are you some sort of an idiot <laughs> or a clown? You just gave out your credit card details live on air. 
I remember I, ac- I actually rang in and I, for the life of me now I can't remember who was on the desk was it Frank or whoever Frank probably <laughs> probably Frank I said because Emer was only a bad thought at that stage I imagine <laughs> but um, I don't know uh, what Emer was doing in ni- you say it was 94 94 yeah here's Definitely. my here's my recollection of that right yes it did happen and it was on air live right I the funk the conversation that I had was with a call centre Right? That's correct, yeah. And I believe that the woman on the end of the phone was supposed to be French. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. So that's why I was thinking it might have been 98 when it, maybe, was, the, when it was the World Cup in France. No, maybe, maybe I'd say what it was is that you were booking tickets from the European Tickets Agency ah. for, for America. I'd be guessing Okay, that. so it was 94 and the ticket agency was out of France. Right, I and the number was a French number right. to book for European tickets for the American yeah, World Cup. But it was hilly. I can imagine the amount of cough people who had their boilers out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, it, just to, I remember that. Do you know who that? You know that was a setup, right? That it wasn't wasn't the real McCoy, <laughs> wasn't it? No. Do you know that wasn't it wasn't my real credit card number? It was made up. <laughs> I oh. I, d- I don't know, no, no, let's say you were cut off. No, because I have more information for you. Do you know the woman at the end of the line who was at the call centre where I was making the call to, to buy the tickets? Do you know who she was? No. That was Simon Zebo's mother, Linda. Linda Zebo Geary. <laughs> who spent a lot of her life in France and had has perfect French. <laughs> also, it was a... It didn't actually even happen, so you were just fooling the people across the city. <laughs> I don't want to be bursting your bubble. I don't. I was. I don't even know if it was April first. What I do recall about it at the time was that it was impossible to get tickets, and people were it, ringing it the hotline. Was, yeah. So I decided we'll have a bit of fun with this now. And I got onto Linda Zebo and I said, "Will you pretend to be a French woman?" on the end of the phone and I'm going to ring you and I'm going to get through and you're going to tell me that yes, well done, you're right, this is the call centre number, what tickets did you want to buy for what matches? And I said, then I'll give you my credit card details and I'll buy a load of tickets. And that's what happened. My next question. In fact, I had people, I had people ringing me when I was on air at the time asking me to also buy tickets for them. (laughs) But I, I, I think you actually announced that you were going to give the tickets away in competition. It was, it was all made up. Oh my! So you're still you were even fooling the people back then. I fooling the people all my life. But I mean, do you think that you might? Maybe I am thick, but I'm not thick enough to give out my full credit card details. Surely, be the guy. <laughs> well, I mean, back then the different days. I mean, there wasn't really that much on <laughs> online shopping and that, like you know. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did try to use. Oh, you, you can be sure of it. Somebody must have tried, and it, it could equally happen. Let's say that I did get through, and I realise, oh my God, I'm one of the few that ever got through to this number. I need to book the tickets. You might think, by a stretch of the imagination, that I would give out the number because people were desperate for tickets. Well, they were, yeah. I mean, it was virtually impossible to get them for that World Cup for some reason, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because it was for Cox, <laughs> it was right Heels for World Cup. Yeah, that yeah, time. that's right. I'm you so know. sorry now for bursting your bursting bubble, your, your bubble, illusion. Yeah. Oh, man. And, ah, well, you should no, have left it alone. That's a good story. That's a good story. Uh, listen, thank you so much for listening for as long as you have, because, again, that was 1994. It wasn't today or yesterday. No, it wasn't. Thanks very much. Nearly 30 years ago. Fair play, Frank. Take care, yourself. Cheers. Take care. Take care. So that's, you know, maybe I should have left it alone as being fact.
But anyway, I just wanted to fill in the blanks there, particularly to uh, to those of you that may not have heard it. It was uh, Simon Zebo's mum, Linda Zebo. I send her kind regards and all of the families. There are a lot of people have been caught on mics, and one of the most famous ones ever, of course, nearly, nearly led to a major, major incident years back. I can remember this. Uh, it was big Reagan fan back in the day, so I was in the 80s, and uh, he was doing a press conference, I think, from the Oval Office, all right, from meeting the press. Uh, didn't know that the live mic was live, didn't know the cameras were rolling. It was kind of, he thought it was just a warm-up or a prep, and he was having a bit of a laugh with the with the journalists at the time. Uh, and he made a joke during the mic check that went terribly wrong. Um... 1984, this one. The president was joking his way through an audio check on August 11th. That I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. By August 14th, the story became world news, a major item on Moscow television where the joke was not treated as a laughing matter. August 15th, a coded message left Soviet military headquarters in Vladivostok. It said, in part, we now embark on military action against the U.S. forces. The code was instantly broken by U.S. and Japanese intelligence. This is what then happened. A special command unit in Yusurisk went on wartime alert. Key Japanese military units raised their readiness status. Soviet naval vessels in the North Pacific, baffled by the order, checked with Vladivostok. Confusion. U.S. intelligence urgently canvassed for signs of an imminent Soviet attack found none. There was what they described as a wayward operator in the Soviet Far Eastern Command who sent out a message uh, alerting Soviet forces in that area that a state of war existed between the United States and the Soviet Union. Within 30 minutes, the mysterious Soviet alert was cancelled. Was it unusual? Not according to U.S. officials. They said it particularly happens on weekends when uh, discipline is a little less than it might be on weekdays. But August 15th was a weekday. One senator said the alert must have been a joke. A congressman said it was Russia's way of answering the president. Most officials said no comment. The one did speculate that the Russian might have been drunk. Marvin Kalb, NBC News, the State Department. Not at all. Ain't no way that it was a lack of discipline or he was drunk. It was just the Russians putting manners on the Americans. Whatever you can do, we can do better. But it put the world into a state of alert. I mean, you talk about what the Bay of Pigs could have happened when the Russians started heading for Cuba and the missiles and everything. 1984, we nearly had another one, another one of them uh, because of Reagan's blooper on Mike. And, you know, it's the old saying, really, engage brain before opening mouth. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. They've created a new onion. It's called a sunion, and apparently you can cut it. No bother around the wide earthly world. No tears, no crying, no stinging. Um, other people were given tips as to how to chop an onion yesterday. One of them was actually put a little piece of bread into your mouth by doing it while doing it. Somebody else said put a teaspoon in your mouth when chopping the onions. Uh, I like the idea of the swimming goggles myself, I have to say. And then um, all of these different uh, little tips that you can get regards to... Because I was saying yesterday, it, one of the things I'm finding more and more difficult... Was it an age thing or what? I don't know. Like, I just don't know. Is that some jars are impossible to open. Uh, and Emer was saying stick a sharp knife through the top of it. But of course, I was making the point then that the food would go off faster or whatever was in the jar would go off faster because it got a hole in the top of it. Um, but somebody else says, Diane in Glanmire, it's not a good idea to open jars by punching a hole in the lid with a sharp knife. I have a good set of sharp Jamie Oliver knives and I damaged and broke the tip of two of the knives by just doing this alone. 
So there you go. Another reason why you shouldn't do that. A lot then, I love these ones with regards to people who can't pronounce. This is a Lee side thing, the things that we cannot pronounce properly. And I did a load of them over the past couple of days. Here's another one. Elaine in Buin says, my husband says Pilla for pillow and Winda instead of window. I love that, actually. My mother, my late mother would always say Pilla as well. P-I-L-L-A. It's a Cork thing. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Talking about a Cork thing. Um, I want to talk to Donald, whose dad passed away recently. A wonderful guy by the name of Jeremiah Cronin. One of Cork's oldest echo boys, apparently. Donald, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Our sincerest condolences with your loss. Your dad passed away last night? He did indeed. He didn't oh, need to call. I much appreciate Not at all, pal. He was, he was unwell for a period of time, I believe, was he? He, 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 took, he took a turn there on Christmas morning, Neil, and um, he didn't come out of it. And he fought hard, whatever the whole lot. But um, I'll just get a smile choked up. Yeah, I sure. Yeah. Listen, it's so raw, I know, and it's just in the last 24 hours. Tell us what you can about Jeremiah Cronin. Well, to be honest, Neil, he, he's selling the newspaper since he was 11 or 12 years of age, since 1950. And basically, he took up the business because his father wasn't capable because of too fond of the alcohol. Yeah. So he went to Mr. Crosby, as, as you know the name of the exam office, yeah. up to the boardroom at 12 years of age. Couldn't you picture this like it wouldn't happen in today's times? And begged Mr. Crosby to, could he take over his father's corner, his father's run of the papers, if you call it. Right. So Mr. Crosby looked at him and there was a couple of other directors in the room and they sort of said, nodding their heads saying, not a hope or whatever. So Mr. Crosby said, and I've heard this from Mr. Crosby's mouth himself because I've met him many times because he used to go see my father every Sunday morning to get the papers off him over St. Mary's. Was it Ted he Crosby, was it? You don't know which Crosby? Ted Crosby was the man that gave my father the proper chance, if you understand. He had a bit of faith and took a leap of faith with him, to be honest. And he turned out to jury and he said, look, young man, I know her things are tough wherever the whole lot, but there is a lot of people they can know to do in that corner. And my father said, Mr. Crosby, please. And he still used to call him Mr. Crosby to the very day. And he said, can you just give me one week? And if I don't do well, that's fair enough. And he, he, then he never looked back. Now, pitches, I suppose, where are they called pitches, I suppose? Places where... They were called corners. They corners. Were called corners. And every, every echo boy would be the, between the Mannies, the Doggins, the Kellers, the whole lot. It was, it was like a sort of Literally, if all the family names, you couldn't go near certain parts of the city and other right. people had different talks and all that. So. Yeah, and you dare not go anywhere near it. It was an unwritten rule. And yeah, your exactly. dad and his dad before him had the corner yeah. of... Where exactly was the... Where was he selling? He's, he used to sell outside St. Augustine's. He used to sit outside St. Augustine's church, right? But they used to sit there and he used to have customers in Washington Street, the Grand Parade, North Main Street, up Washington Street... Clark's Bridge and all that, you know. Oh my God! I knew. Yeah, I knew. No, Main Street. No, it was my dangerous area. I used to sell papers down in between the cars, whatever the whole lot. But like, you take your life in hands. But that was my pitch. So I'll come back to that in a minute. But when you say that your dad and his dad before him were at Saint Augustine's Church, it was the I remember that it was the entrance to Saint Augustine's from yeah. from Dawn Square. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the right. there, yeah. It was. It was almost like was it almost in the almost inside the door. Inside the door, yeah, inside the door. He used to always say to me, he used to always like me, he said he's the best office in the world. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking at the, the door of the church. <laughs> yeah, the, I remember, the and it'd be God. stacked with all of his newspaper. That was your That's dad? Right. 
Yeah. That was my fault, yeah. yeah. So, he, so Ted Crosby right? gave him a week to prove himself. Go on. Well, basically, he sort of, he had to because they were they were being threatened with being evicted out of Granabar Avenue and there was a family talking up there. But basically, what it used to be, and a lot of North Side people remember it, man, he's bare in Blarney Street there. And I, I know, I know your own mother, God rest her, Neil would know it as well. Yeah. Because that's where all the paper boys used to get paid on a Friday. But unfortunately, my grandfather was not able to come out of the pub, do you know what I mean, and spend the money. And, like, he'd come home with no, no wages or money to pay the bills or put food on the table. So oh, it took that my father had to sort of step up to the plate, like, you know what I mean? And he was allowed to go to school late on that provision, do you know what I mean? That he, he was walking through the papers in the morning. So he started off doing them when he was just going on 12 years of age and okay so there was his mum and dad he became the breadwinner at 12 brothers and sisters yeah. he had six sisters that four of them emigrated to Northampton and basically at the time he had to pay for them to leave because there wasn't uh, there was nothing here for them they were they were scared at the time in case they were going to break up the family you know because they were being threatened they'd been thrown out of the house his, his father was a bit um, of an alcoholic yeah his mother was a very small one would she be able to also the opportunity came up and I know his mother didn't talk to him for a period of time but the, the four sisters went on to make great lives and families and extended families over there. And did they go very, to the UK young? They went all all very young. All very young. About, I think they were between the ages of 15 to 17. Do you know what I mean? But, but that was the thing back then. There was nothing in Cork and there was people <sighs> sort of weary. There was no work there whatever for the women. So these women went off and walked in, in hospitals over there. Gotcha, yeah. I mean? took the Innes Fallon as young girls, yeah. Oh my yeah, God, so young. It was sad, but my mother my mother actually stopped talking to my father for about three months and he killed me for killed my father about it. Like, you know, but he thought he did, was doing the right thing by giving them an opportunity. And how old was he at that stage? My dad was about 14 or 15. And he's making those decisions at 14. Yeah, but see, Neil, like, if anybody knew my father, Jory, like, he was a very sort of straight person, very practical person, made decisions without thinking, do you know what I mean? Like, the type of thing he'd say to you, if you're ever in a rush, don't rush, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The type of things, all yeah. these small, small uh, quick... That's when the mistakes down. are made, he's telling you, you see, by rushing. Yeah. So he went to school then after the morning run, after the morning yeah. sales of the Examiner and, and the Times and the press and it went. But what about the Echo? See, that's the thing about it. Like, he used to go to call it the new school in the Cathedral Road. And he was allowed to come in at half past nine. But whenever time he was finished, he, he was allowed to come in. And then he used to have to leave to do the, the echo in the afternoon. Back but down to St. Augustine's? Back to, no, back down to the echo lane. Yeah. And then you wait for your papers and your, yeah. your parcels will come down and offer them again. And do the parcel and he stand on the road until he had his last couple of echoes, two or three echoes, that he'd be allowed to return to the exam office. That'd be it. And would that support a family? Well, to be honest with you, Neil, I, I didn't know he's coming back then, but he's after giving his own, his own family a, a bit of a life, do you know what I mean? He stepped up the thing, he kept going, do you know what I mean? Because oh, I know, yeah. I mean, of course, a, a complete new generation came. He married, settled down, had yeah. had a family and continued well, back selling. Then, back then, Dean, he was a great seller, as fellas would acknowledge the name. If you were a great seller, like, you know what I mean? You'd go between cars, you'd go down different laneways, you'd go... You would even walk through the Queen's Old Castle in case somebody might buy their car. You might walk through the Savoy. You might get two people to buy three papers or something. All, all these knacks he used to tell me all about the doom. Do you know what I mean? Go through the court kit. He had a lot of customers in the court kit. Do you know Because, like I said, like, he just used to do things. And then there was a character by the name of Wally O'Donovan from Churchill. Now, his family might be listening, and they made a big difference in my father's life. 
he actually gave a present to my father of St. Mary's Church, that pitch. <laughs> gave it as a present. <laughs> well, he, what he said, what he said, Neil was that, Jerry, I've seen you, I've known you for the last three or four or five years, and I know I'm giving it to go hands, and I know that you do, do well. But he went off to Dagnum, and my dad took over St. Mary's Church on a Sunday's then. Oh, so now he had the Monday to Saturday yeah. inside in the city, and, then, and the Sunday and papers at St. Mary's. Mary's yeah. Oh my God! And and yeah. that fed clothes put a roof over all of your heads your entire life. All of our heads. Now we all pitched in as well. Like you know what I mean? I used to sit in that 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 lay with there by Noel Keller's fire fireplaces there on my own. Sunday the morning, half to six, seven o'clock, selling my side of the papers down that alleyway. You know the steps that come down. Yeah, that I do. Key? Yes, I do. My God, Neil, if you ever, I know, I know, Mister Falvey, you know that place Mount Devil. Feel that wind, you feel that wind down in half to six in the morning. We're a park Jack Lanya. You see, for ma- for a younger generation, they won't remember the days no, when outside no, ch- churches no. on a Sunday morning there would be a newspaper seller and he would have stacks of newspapers. There was the Irish oh. ones for a Sunday and all of the English papers lined up against the wall, big, huge bundles of them. My father used to have a library full of them in the garage, Neil, and people used to call, would you have um, last December's uh, uh, examiner? Do you know what I mean? That was it. Do you remember now these days you can go to the examiner's office before... Your dad was well, a reference lo- library. Locally, around the place, no, people were looking to get a, see a photograph or something like that. Like, you know what oh, mean? my God. Do you have any well, yeah, pictures? Do you have any pictures of your dad? You clearly do that I've we could share. I had loads of them before you rang there. I had loads of them. I was actually going through them there because I want to meet the, the funeral director there in a minute. But funny enough, he didn't all the photographs. Like, his arm is around me. I'm trying to get one of his own, but he's always smiling. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to look for a nice one. Do you know for the coffin? And Jim Lee speaking, he was never, ever in bad form. Anybody ever met him? Even us, even us as kids, even the last few moments before his last breath last night, we all gathered in the room. And the teens, have, like, we, I, I'm sorry enough for saying this, but we were laughing. We were laughing about the stories about the teens. And because I know deep down, because my father used to always say to me, I don't want any tears now, don't want to be fooling and everything like that. All I want is a bit of bagpipe music now, the Glen Rovers flag, and basically... <laughs> Let you on and drive yourselves now, like, do you know what I mean? Because I won't be paying for this. He's a wise man. He's a wise man. It's exactly how we all should be remembered, with happiness and good stories. I was asking a question about being the oldest echo boy, and (laughs) Michael Regan, great friend of my father's, well, stand outside Bank of Ireland, and he used to stand the South Mallet Bank of Ireland, he used to stand the Porters as well, and people don't remember. But my father was actually the original oldest echo boy because of age group you know when yeah. he started when he when, when he passed away like my, my dad only retired about two years ago so he but he started green. selling at 12 and retired at 84 yeah well about 83 to 84 he still used to go in like even before he got sick there up to Christmas he used to go in a couple of hours a week and just to meet the people do you know what I mean he wouldn't sell anything do you know what I mean he'd just sit there and people would be coming in out of church he'd still get up and hold the door from for the other people whatever the whole like, that's the thing he starts at even when I used to call to the corner and I'd be having a conversation with father. Automatically, I'd just put my hand up right to open the door because I've seen my dad doing it over the years, you know what I mean? But he was well gotten. He was well got by the St. Augustines and all the lads, all the, pe- all the priests inside there, and the Dominicans as well, up in St. The, the Pope's Key. They were all oh, pretty good. Oh, my God, that's an incredible story. I mean, it's but, such um, a tribute to a wonderful man. Great father. He met, he, yeah, he met, he met um, very good people at the corner, whatever the whole lot. But there's just one small thing that I just laughed at that I just need to say. Um, for his 80th birthday, the Glen Rovers won the county, and he was a fierce Glen Rovers man, right? And yeah. all the players signed the jersey that was worn by one of the players on, on the pitch on the day, Conor Doris. And I didn't know about it, like, you know what I mean? But so, he got the photograph framed, but they brought it up to the damn restaurant. We were having a meal and surprise, whatever the whole out. He thought he was just going for his Sunday dinner. And next thing, 
they brought out the frame that Glen Rovers photograph all the players saying that <laughs> and he thought he said Don who's that for and I said that, that's for me that's my the players and he started crying right and like that no need I said jeez dad you didn't start crying there you didn't, I didn't have started crying I didn't know what to do myself I was told I didn't know what to say to him and he's bawling crying and he he, he, he hugged me around he, he hung the frame he the frame right he says, this is the nicest present ever. So we gathered our thoughts and we sat down and he put the photograph, the picture thing up off the ground in between the two of us. And I said, Dad, you threw me there. Like, we were all born and crying. Even the, even the waitresses and everything were born. I know, yeah. But he goes, Dad, you didn't, you didn't cry when my mother left you. And he turned around and he goes, but I loved the Glen Rovers longer. So that, that was his thing. I loved the Glen Rovers longer than your mother. Glen Rovers do or die. Oh, man. That's well, incredible. But I'd be honest, with you, I just hope people like sort of. I don't think there's many echo boys around the place now. Like you know what I mean? I know a few of them, whatever Dave done by the GPO or whatever the whole. Dave's Johnny still there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we you know we remember when John Johnny Kelleher passed away. That was very sad. Keller, and, yeah. oh, well, we used to call him like, but I meant to go through cows. Like, unbelievable there at the Coliseum yeah. corner, like you know. It's there was an act with Neil. There was an act with because many times I stood in South Main Street, like him saying. I know Slim Jim, but I can tell you one thing. There'd be cars coming out off North Main Street back in the day that you'd want to have your eyes in your back. And did you ever get a puck off a car or anything like that? I got brushed by a mirror one time. And that was it? Van. By a corporation van. I think it was probably the only time I ever seen a corporation van go fast. Generally speaking, no. i never seen a corporation van. They're always slow. They'd be always putting their arms out the window. But it was actually a corporation van hit me. They wanted it with a mirror. And it hit me. Cost it. I was so small. It just hit the top of my head. And, uh, when did you start me. selling then? I was allowed well my mother was very prunish and she was very snobby and she wasn't for, uh, she wasn't for it but I left school going into fifth year do you know what I mean because at the end of the day my dad used to say look he's, he'd be grand with me do you know what I mean yeah. he'd be grand in the papers my eldest brother Pat would be in hands on but he went to, he went down my dad got him a job in, in Celeste Carpet so Pat used to only help out the Sunday corner but the person I helped him on I keeps keep, keeps doing him with him now was my youngest brother that's amazing a family empire it's amazing yeah yeah. yeah. so many people yeah. went into but, it but the youngest fellow that doesn't know Neil was training to be a priest would you believe it do you know what I mean because he actually enjoyed being around St. Augustine and St. Mary's he knew all the Dominicans and all that he was training to be a priest about 10 years there ago there you go and he wanted to become a priest but no he's still an echo boy he's still an echo boy and he swore to me last night he said don't I'll keep it on wherever the hole, hole up because I know that would be my dad's wish. That's right. There's less and less, of course, uh, Echo Boys. Yeah, there's less and less. But to be fair, no, Neil, I, I, I've often come off nights and done the customers give my brother a break there out having a lion and all that for me. It's not as easy people make out to be getting up ahead at 4 or 5 o'clock. And morning. in all weather, of course, in early mornings, very early mornings, down bo- well, what used to be Bowling Green Street, didn't it? Yeah, that's where the old Echo Boy lane and then there used to be a lane in between. We used to call it the Pissy Lane and then New Academy Street. And then you, that's Pissy where you lane, got the papers. Yeah. Where the, yeah, the Pissy yeah. Lane is where the, the trucks or the vans used to go in. Like, Do you ever see the, the old video footage, Maureen Ivoraku, way back, did uh, kind of I a sit-down with do. the Echo Boys and they all sang? And yeah. Was, yeah, with Robot. With Robot, yeah. Jory, Jory, Jory is his name and he does. He, he used to be very good with my father, like, you know what I mean? And like, My father was sort of... I wouldn't say he, the people just asking for advice, whatever the whole up. But what you're talking about, down they've done by the by the North Hop House there. There's a building there they used to have a soup kitchen farm. As you were saying about that video, and my father said to me like that that's what they used to get fed off the priests in the side there. Like I mean, they'd know they know a home. They sometimes they do the examiners and the Echo Boys would be fed by the priests. Yeah, yeah. There used to be Father Matthew. Do you know what I mean? Down there, there's, there's a little room there. 
it's actually done by scribes, I think, or something like that, just above it. Go away. And if you look at it, it's not, it's, it's not to be knocked or something like that. Yeah. But it's something to do with automatically. But my father used to say to me, a lot of, lot of young fellas from the north side and south side were fed in there. That's amazing. Because you'd get, you guys who've seen the video yourself with a, a robot on it, singing in that, and that's what used to happen. Used to kill a couple of hours and go back out and sell evening echo then, like, at all hours. Tough days, boy. Tough times. Tough times. times but you had to do it to survive. That was the only way of putting food on the table. And that was the thing about it. And there was not, like, people used to look down their noses at echo boys, whatever the whole up. But, like, I guarantee you, there's not many people on the north side that have a touch of, of an echo boy in them. Do you know what I mean? I know. And my father, my member sitting up, my father, and just say if he had to fill out an application for him, and the girl would say, occupation, echo boy. That was it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Echo Boy, I'm not trying not to call myself a news vendor or the same thing. I'm an Echo Boy one. I'm an Echo Boy one, that's it. And I'm proud to be an Echo Boy. Echo Boy and Glen Rovers man till I die. Oh, that, I tell you, no need. If, uh, uh, the reason I share that story, because that summed up his character. Didn't it? There yeah. was no badness, no malice, but he just turned around and he says, but what's wrong? Like, I love the Glen Rovers longer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, but yeah. the players lead, I tell you that now, we, we've gone to the great club uh, Christmas morning, obviously, when he was taken taken to hospital this Christmas morning, and the one previous because of the pandemic, and my father's last words to me, would you believe this? Because we've gone to Glen Rovers Club for the last thirty three years together, every single morning. I married the saint myself, how she loaded, but I used to do the kids' toys in the morning. I drop her to my mother's house, and I pick me that up, and we go to Glen Club on Christmas morning. Yeah, yeah. But the, his last words to me, when the when the when they brought him, they collected him the ambulance Christmas morning, half past eight. And the, 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 the fairness of the ambulance man said, look, it's probably just his diabetes, whatever the whole we can just get him checked out and he'll be back to you in an hour. And when he was going to ask, like, when they said no, and I said, can I follow you over? They said no, because of COVID, blah, blah. As you said, well, it was a different time scale, whatever the whole lot means. And he sat down and he put his thumb up to me and he said, Donald, don't forget not to pick me up at 11 o'clock. I have my shot and me, and me still ready and me getting over time. <laughs> I see you at 11. And unfortunately, they were the last words he ever was able to say to me because of being in hospital three weeks and the machines he was on, we couldn't converse with him, whatever. No, he could hear us, but they were the last words, would you believe it, that he said to me. Do you cherish those words more than any? I ch- cherish. I, if somebody, if, if, if only God took me now with me, I'd be happy, I'd die a happy man for the last words before I was it. Because that was him. Tom up in the air, Sitting down, and I'd hear these suit and these Glen Rovers right ready for the, going up to the club and then the car. Oh, Don't forget man. to pick me up. That's incredible, but it really is. Another, another, I'll be honest, a lot of people, people have asked over the last few years because he's semi retired, wherever the whole There was a couple of books wrote in his, in, in, in his face a couple of times, and he's never gone out to the book signings or anything like that. But there's fellas out there I know would know things and wrote things about him. That the family probably never understood, whatever the whole lot, or never informed him because he was a very, very quiet man. Because, like that, no, he'd, he'd leave Mike, Michael Regan and Mike Regan dissolved his uh, lame night and he wouldn't uh, contend this right now. Yeah. But he said, I did that, like I said, Joe will go, is why, why don't you say your always uh, echo by And he turned on, he goes, I'm not great, okay? I'm not great in four glasses of don't you? I mean, he'd, he'd plot off that way, do you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, he gave people recognition. He never put down Mike Regan or Johnny Keller or. The old man, he on Nailers Joyce, or all these different characters. Never, never. But he just sort of kept uh, kept under the radar. But what a grafter. What, what a, a grafter. grafter. What an incredible story you tell in commemoration and in uh, respect of your late dad who passed away last night. Just hold on there, Jim. Good morning, Neil. Do, can I just say to Don, <coughs> excuse me, 
can I just say to Donald, condolences, Donald, I don't, I don't know your family, but I certainly, mm. I certainly knew your dad just to speak to on North Main Street. And I tell you one thing, he was an, he was an encyclopedia of news. He had more news in his head than he did, than he did selling the papers. He was, he was an absolutely gentleman. He was, at, I tell you no. He knew a lot of things about Cork, Jim, and he used to, he actually used to sadden him that the way Cork was changing, the old buildings and the old pubs and the old names of the streets and all that. He, especially the Cork area, like that, that, so I know they renovated for the good, but he remembered the great families. Well, he was in our city and, every day of his life since 1950. He would have seen every right. minute change that happened, yeah. yeah. And, and every day of the week, as you say, from six in the morning to six in the evening, so he thought more than anyone, but I can say, he he remembers a lot of great families down the court. The races, the punches, right. and he tell you stories. Unbelievable, as yeah. you said there. Like he tell you stories. He knew yeah. something about everyone. It was Donald, I tell her, I, I, I was in Cockdale a few times after Christmas and I missed him. I missed him. I went yeah. to you he, he and I and I you know, there's not too many people you can ask about where he where he was or, or, or mm. did you see any sign of him but he the man he, he's a legend and and you know, I think I think Look, you can't be doing it for everyone, but, but I think there should be some kind of an honour of a plaque put to where he used to sell these papers. That's I think so it, would be, yeah. it, it would be, it would be absolutely fantastic if, if the council could do it. This is so it, it, like, there's a piece, uh, there's a piece of history after dying. Well, when you bear in mind that when you bear in mind that Jeremiah Cronin was there from 1950 and his dad before him for quite a long time, I'd imagine the same yeah. pitch, you know. But he this said something to Bertie Ahorn one time. Sorry, not just for the press, but it's just something that summed up my dad in a way. Like, no, Bertie Ahorn was doing a walkabout around the city centre there one time, and my dad was sitting down with his his hat on, sitting down at the, at the stall. River, and this lady come over and said, "Would you like to photograph with the the T-shirt, whatever the one?" She said, "He says no, about I'll bring him over there. I'll bring him over there." He says, "Bertie, I just want to let you know, no, I have only one message for you." That we live in Cork, and you know there's another county outside the Dublin. <laughs> and, that, and, and sat back down, and sat back down, and folded his arms, and that was it. There was no photograph taken. <laughs> exactly. Neil, that's a true story. And like I believe it. I Mas believe Finn, it. Mas Finn taught me it out of Finn's corner, like he'd great listen to him. And like he said, that's what he said. That's what he thought about the horn. He said, at the end of the day, there's, there's more than there's another county outside of Dublin. Well, he sounds as if he was the kind of guy that didn't tolerate airs and graces. Jim, thank no, you for that. Right, thank you for that. Wrong. Thank you for that. He had a great relationship with Christy Ring, whatever Christy Ring was coming. He's telling me he's a very religious man. He's got the massive one. Jimmy Barry Murphy would remember my father very well. Whatever. Ronald Gale met him once or twice from going into Matt's Fitness place in his corner. And they'd probably go off to coffee somewhere, but they'd get the paper out of my father and my dad was like um, Ron Nagara but one or two things there about his kicking and all that you know what I mean <laughs> but he wasn't scared to hold back like I mean, he was and worked across the road in the capital cinema I think and that would have been was that the 70s Anne or when yeah yeah Neil hi, hi Neil hi Donald sympathy hi, Anne, how are you so God? sad for you it's Anne Mernan Anne how are you God? I'm grand um, when I worked in the capital long ago in the, in the ticket desk your dad used to bring over. I think I told you this before. Your dad yeah, used to bring over Mike, the change every day. That's right. Michael Dunn, don't Perfect. Yeah. All the pennies, the twos, the, the fives. And then I'd give him the paper money. So he'd <laughs> bring all of the money already bagged properly. Yeah. No, he'd get, oh, he'd have it down to a tea bag counted. Always correct and accurate. Never, yeah, he'd never he'd a He handed me in 30 pounds in coins. And I'd hand him out 30 pounds then and all. 
in notes. When he's come over, he's in, and I appreciate the love. He wasn't saying to Jim, but like he said, like, this will tell you how he was. He's come home for his dinner and before the dinner went down the table. My dad would have a, a wash or a shower. Like, when, he, when he mean a wash, I don't mean he disrespect, but they, they used to jump into showers back then. There weren't any. Sure, I remember in Blackpool and Madness no. Billings, it was a back, it was yeah. an outdoor, it was an outdoor toilet. Like, the best you could but do he, would have been a tub, plastic he, or wood. He used, to take, he, used to, he used to take the other bag, didn't he? He used to have the coins in, and Anna's quite correct there. She, my dad would get me or Jor or, or, or Anna or Pat to sit down. And oh, one of us was ever cost. Like, Jor, my brother used to be cute. Jor used to go to the back door when he's here, and my dad come home. Because Joe wouldn't have to count the money, but we used to have to count the tempuses and tuppences and the, the fighters. Yeah. And my dad would bag them for the customers the next day, do you know what I mean? And some of them went yeah. off to the capital, some of them went to Finn's Corner, some of them went off to McGuire's, do you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. uh, with the Woodford, yeah. as it was called, all these places. So, as I say to Hida, we, if we didn't get a right door and we weren't left out, do you know what I mean? That's it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because Incredible. we never counted. It just went straight from our place to the bank, then over, you know? Yeah, and he didn't That's mind doing cool. that. I wonder how many businesses would do it now. Oh, oh, no one. You'd have, to to, you'd have to put them into Tesco now if you save them up in a bottle. You'd have to put them into a machine. That's right. And the machine will count it and they'll take 10%. And they charge <laughs> you for the privilege as well. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. So, actually, there's a whole story in you working in the Capital Cinema in the 70s. Did you get to see yeah. all the films as well, yeah? Oh, yeah. All the films, yeah. We used to act them out at the back if they stayed in for a good few weeks. <laughs> be blue in the face watching the same one yeah in the 70s Uh, you'd have had jaws for like six months yeah, I once flew over the cuckoo's nest. We had that down to a tea. Oh, I remember seeing all those films in the old yeah. Capital Cinema. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, a great story. Yeah. So, Happy Anne, day. thank you for that. That's a lovely okay. story. Appreciate and it. And your sympathy to Jer as well. He's, he lives across the road from me. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Anne. Thank you very So what's your echo call like then, Donald? Shocking me, honestly. Anybody, I've, I've often been asked that in class now or when, it was, when I play with any teams or ever, the whole act with the bowler ribs and echo by, they'd ask me to take it off. It's brutal. I won't let you know, but it's brutal. But I did you never Did know. you never perfect it over the years? I did, I did, but I didn't know anybody when I was doing it, you see. But see, generally speaking, my father used to put me on a pitch by um, South Main Street and I used to clap bridge. But sometimes then there was a very, very um, loyal... Um, worker, he's called Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly is probably living in church. We know I bump into him now and again. He was like the, the, the prodigal son of the family. Like he used to do the county hall, the Coca Cola factory. And what I used to do then, I used to go along with Dennis. We get on the bus. We give the bus driver the echo. He bring us from the, the capital, as I'm saying there, all the way up to the the crow's nest. We do a couple of customers around the crow's nest and. We'd go up by um, Coca-Cola factory, but you'd bring a plastic bag, need because the Coca-Cola factory used to have a vending machine and it was only something like a penny a can or something like that. <laughs> so Cheap we used to, used to fill our back, a plastic bag and we used to sell the cans there for about three pence, four <laughs> pence that don't echo in the next day, do you know what I mean? 400% but then, profit. <laughs> yeah, but like like that then, we used to get a spin back off, uh, off one of the office workers there that used to come down to the hall because we used to stand at the... Uh, the, by the elevators at the end of the, 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 the chrome floor you see yeah. and then you go back and you count your papers and that was it but Dennis Kelly like, my dad had about 10, 10 young fellas at one stage working for him as well do you know what I mean little mini the empire the echo was huge the echo was, was huge back then yeah I was 33 pence an echo when I used to, and I used to get, I used to get 5 pence off my dad and are you still but selling yeah. now my younger brother yeah 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 he's still doing the corner now but it's, it's still the, because of the pandemic deal but it's still in it's the family still, Oh, it's still in the family. We still have uh, customers. We've got a good customers around the city centre still, like, and in St. Mary's, like, you know what I mean? Uh, 
people still come Barry see Gallup will come and see me dad because without you we dad for the last couple of years and he used to just sit there do you know what I mean but my brother would be more active but now during the week my brother would do the customers in the morning my, step, my brother Pat would give him a hand give him a break whatever the whole lot but come Sunday then Pat would do it and I'd take down the stand and all that we'd all have little bits to do do you know what I mean it's in your blood like isn't it it's totally oh, in it's your always going to be in my blood but certainly I wouldn't be able you'd want to lose listeners now or all if I'd start to see in there Echo biting, like, ah, yeah, but it's like it. it's changed now, hasn't it? I mean, it used to be echo, evening echo, but it's kind of echo, <laughs> examiner, echo. Yeah, Dave, no, Dave, outside the GPO, I used to do it, but he's predecessor of before him, God rest his soul, was John O'Shea, and John O'Shea was a skinny fella. Like, John O'Shea was like a cuckoo, like, John O'Shea could take out the echo, they could gargle, as they call it, for about three or four minutes, like. So you're that. telling me now, before I love you and leave you, that I'm actually better at the echo than you. Echo, Probably, examiner, echo. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Uh, surely no, you're going to come back at me and beat me. Nah, not a hope. I tell you that. No, I don't even mean that. My dad even never said a deal. I can't remember my dad ever saying that. Uh, he didn't need to. He didn't need to. He had such a loyal customer base. <laughs> but like, he was probably telling the joke or being witty with someone. Do you know what I mean? He wouldn't be bothered with that. Do you know what I mean? He'd be chatting to people. Like, <laughs> he always said to people around the, the city centre and the cock people, you'll never meet nice of people in your life. He always said that. Yeah. He said he'd be, he's loved meeting people and he told the That's sergeant. not a myth, actually. That's a fact. He's right there. Yeah, but he told the sergeant that, he, uh, the sergeant told him, in fact, they, they stopped doing the papers. I think in 2009, there, he got a heart, uh, heart to this, didn't put it to his heart. And he told him, he said, the doctor said, Johnny, you need to start taking the ball retirement. And he said, look, doctor, was like, thanks for fixing me up, thanks for patching me up, I think you did a good job. But I'll, I'll drive on, on, yeah. Well, listen, may right. he rest in peace, Donald. May he rest in but peace. And, uh, and, and no, nah, I hope the examiner office is listening because I hope the examiner office is listening because they they'll need to know it. I'm sure that they are. That uh, you know, yeah. you know one, just, one just, of their just, colleagues uh, has passed away. He, he was an icon. Uh, Neil, and I know every father, to every son is an icon. But generally speaking, always in good form and always nice to people. And, and he went with anyone. But like I'm saying, as Jim acknowledged there, and he was quite correct, you're saying that even knowledge in Cork City, it's absolutely frightening. And people used to stop and ask him questions about all buildings and about all streets and yeah, about all it. characters. He knew him, and he knew it. He knew it. Right? They didn't have to even walk down as far as the library. They got the information on before they turned around and went back up Shannon Street or wherever the whole lot. But. He, he was some man, Donnie. He certainly he, sounds never as if he was. His life, never took a holiday in his life. The only day he used to have off was Christmas Day. That's, <laughs> a, that's a true lesson. You'll never, you never see anything like that again. I said it to the nurse last night. That man is an, an, an absolute legend. And that's why I wanted to acknowledge his passing. I'll let you now do what's very important to you and all your family and lay him to, and, lay, and organize the preparations to lay him to his eternal rest. Yeah, and no better man, Joe Collin, because Joe Collin knew more about him as well, through the Glen Rovers, whatever the whole lot, and Joe's one of the best around at doing the funeral taking thing. So that's what I was doing out there when I got the call. All right. Looking through four glass for the, for the, for the, the casket, you know what I mean? And like I'm saying, on behalf of myself and my own family and all the clones, whatever the whole lot, we probably won't get the opportunity to thank everyone or thank your show for highlighting us, whatever the whole lot, and the phone call. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, from all the clones. We much appreciate it. Right. And we just hope he delivered a good service to Ollie over the years, whether he bought the paper, the examiner, or the RT guide, or Hollywood. Well said. Unfortunately, well Jeremiah Cronin, the Echo Boy, is rest in peace. Lovely chatting with you, Donald. We're all the better for the Thanks conversation. God bless. God bless you, boy. And I appreciate your call. Donald, talk. Take care, sir. Thanks for the phone call. Thank you. Cheers, Bye. pal. Bye-bye. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. New year. New number for Neil.
0818-104-106. And don't forget, we have uh, 250 euro vouchers to give away two winners every day, courtesy of ourselves and Satori Clinic at Langford Row. You can go and have some acupuncture, cupping, acupressure, as I say, a variety of therapies and skills that uh, will aim to treat major, the majority of uh, health disorders. Um, and you can pick up a voucher by identifying our three songs, artists and titles. It all has to do with the new you, new year, kickstarting the year. And a visit to Satori Clinic could well help. So artists and titles, either the artist has new in the name or the song has new in the title, if you can follow my logic. Here are the tunes. One more spin between now and 10 minutes to midday and then we'll open the phone lines. Lots of texts as usual. Um, actually, we're having a very big day at the end of the week here where we celebrate, they're celebrating 20 years of uh, Cork's Red FM. When you'll be celebrating 20 years on air, I've heard you're playing music from 20 years ago all day long. It's a great idea, but could you maybe play news items from 20 years ago as well instead of what we're listening to now when you turn on anything, which is constant COVID news. Uh, we all need a break from the amount of COVID um, for one day at least, everyone's sick of it. Just the thought, I think it's a great idea. News stories uh, from the year uh, 20 years ago. I don't know whether it's a bit late to plan that, but thank you for the suggestion. Uh, and so say all of us. Uh, many people then picking up on different topics, COVID related. I'll come back to those, but uh, a lot of emails as well, lads. So I'll come to those. Just I'm just conscious of Liam and uh, Mark and Alice and James. So calls is the name of the game. James, good morning. Good morning. To so we were talking you. about tattoos or regretting tattoos. It was a caller from earlier on this morning. Uh, do you have one? <laughs> no. Nee, Would you ever consider one, even if I even if I paid for it for free? <laughs> no, Neil. No, I don't like them. I'm afraid. Uh, but just as just for a second, I was listening to your gentleman there. It was fascinating about the old cock. I love hearing about old cock. That's Donal who was chatting about his late oh, father, yes. Jeremiah. Yes, I remember Cronin. that gentleman. I remember all of those, oh, Neil, because yeah. I'm nearly seventy years old, so I can remember all of those people sending the papers. Probably bought papers off him. You probably did. And I remember looking in the streets there in Park Street when I was passing around. You see these little kids, you know, going in among the cars and big trucks. And they were over there, eight, nine years old. That's right. Yeah, and you think boys. of like health and safety today. <laughs> Wouldn't be. No, of course, our kids, Neil, are so wrapped in cotton wool, we can't even open the window in the school. But there you go now. You're generalizing again against all. Yes, a little chill, Neil. And we have 15-year-olds that were taller than you and I, Neil, have to be driven out to school, Neil. But how would you fancy being... Wait a second. How would you fancy being in the workplace from 9 to 5, being told what you can and can't wear, have all the windows open constantly in your workplace, and also no heating on? When I was going to school, Neil, in the model school, which you know, well, I suppose, across from the city hall... It's the court now, yeah. Yeah. If you've never probably been in there, but in my day, the, the building was, you know, just a Victorian building. There was no heating in the classrooms. The classrooms in the model school, you'd have to scaffold them if you wanted to paint the ceiling, Neil. They were that large. Was, but was that right? Should it have been that way? No. And if the teacher felt like it and he wanted a bit of air, he'd have the windows open, Neil. <laughs> so, and of course, at that stage, but we live Neil, in different times. From the north side down, from the hills of the north side to the school, sometimes in pouring rain, when I was six years old, Neil, on my own. 
And would you go back to those days again? Would you oh, like yes. that to be? I remember one morning. You would not. I remember one morning very well. It was pouring out of the heavens. And even my mother said, Ah, Dermot. That was my father's name. Ah, you can't say no. Send him up me nonsense. What's he going to do? You see a little flower he's going to wilt. Out you go, boy. Out you go. <laughs> <laughs> Toughen me up, Neil. Toughen me up. I don't want... Uh, a son or a daughter at the age of 8 or 10 or 12 or 14 or 15 going to school and frozen with the cold all day. I just don't. Well, there, there's well, very well ways you can warm up, Neil, by having proper underwear, a proper couple of pullovers on you, and uh, you'll be grand and warm. Yeah, that blood is, it's blood is, it's, it's, it's racing at that age, and it shouldn't be cold. No, well, age. you look back at the old days through rose-tinted glasses. They were tough times. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. They were Doesn't extremely make them, tough. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but they, I don't see, I don't blame them, Neil, because that's the way they're growing up. But they don't seem to realise how privileged they are, Neil. How privileged they are. And then, of course, when you arrive down to the model school, you got battered around the room at four years old, Neil. By Mrs. K. Remember at the first, second day I was there, I couldn't believe it. At the age of four. She caught me by the, by the ear and took me out of the thing as I was talking, and she battered me around the classroom. And you were four years old? Yes, yes. Oh, what a temper she had. Volcanic Neil. Volcanic. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh. Like, but it's of course, way, uh, way shock, I'd come directly from my mother's apron strings, Neil, because there was no preschool in those days. My God, I was... I, I that was some baptism of fire, wasn't it? What? That was some baptism of fire. Oh, my God. Clatter, you'll speak again, old James, when I tell you to speak, and now when I'm, when I'm up in... <laughs> You speak when I say so. Well, I suppose it was her classroom, her rules. But yes, listen, no, yes. I'm not. I'm not making light of it because it did come through a school regime as well, where we were beaten with all oh, sorts yes. of implements. Well, you went to North Man, you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chalk I, it own, down. I had a sibling who went down, Neil. Chalk so it if down. you could survive that, Neil, you'd survive anything. You wouldn't be looking through those days through rose tinted glasses, I can tell you. Well, my father always said to me after. I often said to my father later on in life, Dad, did you know that I wa- that all that all was going on, like that we were being battered? Of course, I did. And you know, some people didn't get half enough of it. And and when you came home, then more people got even more of it. Oh yes, and if you told you, if you told them that you'd upset the teacher, well, what the <laughs> hell were you doing? <laughs> There's an energy company in the UK got into talking about people being cold, you know, and children being cold in class. They got into an awful lot of trouble, and they had to apologise because apparently they posted up on their website because people can't afford because of heating prices to put on their radiators or gas or electric. So they put up on their website tips to stay warm in the winter. Right. Tip one, do standy, do jumping jacks standing up. Tip number two, cuddle your cat or dog to stay warm. There was murder over it. Right. It was, it was said to be so insensitive. You'd probably be the kind of guy that would agree with tips like that, would you? Oh, yes, yes. And uh, I read the other day now down in one of the schools in East Cork, they have a dog specially employed in case some child in the classroom, not a a special needs child now, but any child, and uh, gets upset because he can't do his homework or he can't understand something and the dog will be brought in to comfort him. That's that's (laughs) lovely. And he can rub the dog. I mean, I don't know. I want to see, (laughs) trouble is, Neil, a very well-known doctor, you'll be familiar with, Dr. Harry Barry. Yeah, I know the name, yeah. Yes, he's uh, written many books, a very experienced JP, and he has said now for a number of years, he's afraid we're not building resilience into our children. 
So what do you want to do? You want them to be beaten in classrooms again? I know not that, Fernando, but we're not allowing them to experience any disappointment when they're young, Neil. It's, it's yes to everything, no, no. You know what I mean? Which isn't good, So Neil. we're not teaching them that life is tough and sometimes unfair. Yes, and... and All right, they, good point. And sometimes point. when they go out in the world then and they find that life is very unfair and, and they could, you have a lot of disappointment. And they're not prepared for it. Yes, Nobody yes, told me it was going to be like this. He's an experienced man, Neil. And uh, I would agree with him. All right. uh, okay. We're okay. kind of, we've swung the pendulum a bit too much the other way, Neil. Okay, all right. But you know, way back in the day, everybody had tattoos. So surely be to God yes, if you love the past. No, I'm going to move on. In, but you know, back in the day, everyone had them. I mean, why have you got something against them there? I just, I, I just don't like the appearance of them, Neil. Uh, and just because of my age, I wouldn't have liked them 40 years ago when I was young. Uh, I just don't. I, I just can't understand why a young, good-looking woman. <laughs> would get them on her arm. I, I remember looking at the afternoon show there one day and there was a girl on, and I wasn't watching it really, I was reading the paper and the sound turned down. You know you do that sometimes, the television's turned down and you're reading the paper. And I saw this lovely looking girl coming on. How can on. you watch the television while reading the paper? Yes, I, I keep an eye to see, just see, if something comes on, I might turn up the sound. <laughs> so this girl came on and she had a short sleeve dress and I could see one arm completely black and dark. That's called a sleeve. Yes, yeah. and I, because I, well, I, I, I had my reading glass on, I said, my God, this girl must have had some awful skin disease. Is that what it's about? <laughs> so I turned her up, and then, of course, I realised when I got close that it was a ta- the whole arm was a tattoo. It's body art. Yeah. What about a little small one on your foot, or maybe the side of your neck? No one would really notice it. Go on. Ah, uh, no, no. <laughs> now at my age, it wouldn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> but also another thing, not to be too serious about it, but it, I, do, I do think it affects the chance of getting a job, Neil. Shouldn't do. Oh, it does. Uh, oh, it I shouldn't does. really. Because I remember talking to shouldn't. a manager of one of the major pubs in the town. I'm not going to mention the pub, Neil. It's a pub I used to go to quite a lot. Can't go to the pub so much now, but it's a gastro pub, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of young people working in there. I don't know why I spoke to him about that one day. Maybe I heard something on the radio about it. I said to Thomas, you're the manager. Now, do you have any of your staff now? Would you allow any staff? Would you employ any staff with tattoos? No, James. No way. But where is the tattoo? Like uh, They have to be completely uh, uh, out of the way. And it can't be on the arms because in the summer they have their shirts rolled up because they all wear a uniform in this pub. But that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Like, you could have a really good worker and you're not giving them a job because they have a tattoo on their arm? You said, oh, I, I want to, uh, I, I suppose, portray a certain image for this pub. Yeah, but what, yeah, but what, is, pub. what is it saying about somebody with a tattoo that they're, they're no worse than anybody else in the world? No, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm not going to be judgmental, Neil, if whatever you want to do, that's, that's what a person wants to do. But No, but if I, if I knew, if, listen, if I had a company, a huge big company, and there was a HR department, and the person in the HR department was saying, we will not employ people with tattoo, they wouldn't be long in the job in the HR department. I can tell you, if I was the boss, I'd sack them. Well, this is the manager of the job, that's his job to employ who he thinks is the right people. And he also, of course, wouldn't have any piercings, Neil. He would have said, no, no piercings. That wouldn't be allowed either, James. Uh, so that's that's. I mean, I said I'm not going to mention the pub. Now, was, if it was like if it was the swastika tattooed to their forehead, now I'd say something. But other than that, I mean, if it was, they're not offensive, man. They're just not. Well, you know. <laughs> I don't and anyway, to too negative now. We're, we'll, we'll make it light hearted enough. But as you know, I often look at those documentaries by fellas like Louis Theroux. Yeah. you know him well, and yeah. Tre- Trevor Macdonald, and they go visiting these maximum security prisons in America yeah. and, and they talk to people who have all committed some very very serious crimes uh, Neil mass murderers they're on death row every one of them is covered in a tattoo so the reason that they're on death row is because they got tattoos they're all, it's just a common among them that fraternity all right. 
covered in tattoos. All right, okay. So uh, I wouldn't want to be associated with people like that. <laughs> Listen, it's lovely to chat with you. Um, right, a lot of food for thought. Nice Stay to in touch, you. my man. Take care for now, James. Cheers. Bye, Neil. Covered a lot of ground. Any thoughts on any of that? Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can also email neil at redfm.ie. I don't have tattoos. I'm not a personal fan of them. I will never, ever get one. Uh, I don't really see the point, uh, but I will defend anybody's right to have them. Of that, you can be sure. Liam O'Higgin, the Cork historian, joins me by phone. Liam, good morning. Now, now, I know that you wanted to jump in on the story about Dwyer's and the great conversations we had about the big car companies back in the day. It all came from from Sunbeam. I'll get to all of that. But did you want to pick up there on the looking through? Because you're a historian and you've you've lived through much of the harder times on Lee's side. Do we look and does James look at it through rose tinted glasses? Yes, um, I'm very interested in what he was saying there. But um, you know about being battered around the classroom and all this kind of stuff. No. He was born 10 years after me. So I can remember being battered around the classroom too, but I wasn't the only one. Yeah. And I must say that all the, all the brothers, we had brothers in uh, St. Joseph's in the Maldi, and some of them were, they were sadists really. They, they just had no, they had no sympathy at all for anyone. They just, if, they, if you got something wrong, you were excited or you got pulled by the ear and all that stuff. But, but, but everyone was doing it to children then. If they were doing it, the, teachers were doing it, the, the guards could give you a box. Um, say, for instance, the priest would probably give you a box, and your parents probably did. So we were, we were scared of our life, really. We, I know. You see, our parents had been through it themselves, so they were scared too. But what I'm trying to say is, it's kind, it's kind of full. I don't know. It's kind completely out of control. I don't know. And I am convinced that some of the parents today are afraid of their children. And when I say children, I'm down about ten and eleven and twelve year old. I mean. If I if you stepped out the line when you were that age with your mother and you got a you got a clatter. I know. Yeah. You were reprimanded and you didn't get a I think it's gone the wrong it's gone too far the other way now where exactly. We're not we're not I'm I'm not saying no one should beat their children, incidentally. it's a thing that I would abhor. But that but that their their life skills are wrong for preparing them for disappointment or challenges in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing is I Personally, no, I had very, I had no education really, I suppose. I, I got up in the messenger by about 13 and a half years of age, but I did all right for myself. And I think there's too much emphasis on education altogether. I, I firmly believe there's a niche there for everyone. And you know, the, you're, you're not judging how many marks you got and how many points you got and all this kind of it stuff. Depend- it look, look, to be honest with you, Liam, it depends on the career path you choose to take, you know. You you can't have surgeons operating on you who haven't gone to college or gone to surgeon college, but you can't have lawyers representing you in a courtroom that have never gone to college and done their exams, you know. So you, you do need education for a lot of work. I can understand that. But there's too much emphasis on it altogether. You know, there's people, that, you know, they're... they're Wrong pegs and square holes, I think. No, oh, I think that's very true. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot anyway. of people in, in 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 work that they don't like or enjoy and have no yeah. passion for, and that's very sad. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. me get back to the, the middle parish, on <laughs> So we're talking about Dwyer's and Dwyer's. Yeah, so a very famous man. I missed the start of that. No, so you might have discussed it. I don't know. Like a very famous man walked into Dwyer's from fifth, when he was only fifteen. That was Terence McSweeney. No, it wasn't mentioned. No, it wasn't mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Terence lived in um, 23, that's where he was born, in 23 North Main Street, he was still living there when he was 15, I don't know, but 
he walked in the wires in um, in Washington Street, and he he believed that he enjoyed a very good working relationship with his superiors. But Mr. Dwyer had a different view. Yeah. <laughs> in the summer, I'm reading this out of a book now. The name of the book is Enduring the Most. And it says in the book, Max Sweeney told his employer that some people, when they get on in life, look down and others beneath them. And Mr. Dwyer res- responded that Terry's problem was he looked down on people above him. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that kind of sums up Terry's Max Sweeney, all right, like. <laughs> So he was the. You wanted to reference the visit of King George to Cork, oh, yeah. and I, I just, I just did a little bit of googling on that because in 1911, King George and Queen Mary did come to Cork, and uh, King Edward actually, I got the name wrong. I had the wrong king. Well, which what year was it then? Uh, 1902. Oh, for the exhibition. Correct. Oh, right, okay, because I, I checked the King George version, and that was 1911. So you're saying that Edward was here for the exhibition at what in then later became Fitzgerald's Park. Okay, all right. Correct. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you're checking up on me, no, I, no, it's just because be, I wouldn't know what I'm talking about if I don't check it up before you come on. So that's just a little bit of research. So 1902, the city yeah. would have been buzzing because people came from all over the world for the great exhibition. I think we had two of them, didn't we? But 1902 was one of them. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, when... When Paul Edward walked on Washington Street, uh, Terms had them um, and a couple of his buddies. They hung a black flag out the window <laughs> of the wires and they started showing abuse at him and he was arrested. And that was the first time he was arrested. And he was only about 16 that time, it was 18, whatever. <laughs> was he and, sacked? Um, sorry? Was he sacked? No, 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 no. He, um, no, he was reprimanded again. No, life was, he... He wasn't happy there. He he went off and done plays and all that kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so um, 1902, you know, he hung a black flag out the window of Dwyer's. That's correct. <laughs> that's correct. And he also had he upgraded the show as well because Mr. Dwyer, you know, there's a monument there in um, in Calabi Park commemorating the the, the the cop people that died in the Boer War fighting for the British. That's right. There is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Dwyer um, contributed got a collected a lot of money for that monument. So he, so did Terence McSweeney have a problem with that because it was Irish oh. people fighting for the, the British? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. You know, he, had, he, had, um, he was as bad as his sister, Mary, like. <laughs> you know, just, just, fierce uh, nationalistic, yeah, of course. Fierce nationalist, yeah. And that's all right, too, you know, I mean, it's all kinds, like. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what kind yeah. of support there would have been for the royal family over a hundred years ago, because we would have been a very royal city then, I would imagine. What should we be? I mean, there was... Um, there have been lots of Union Jacks flying from the sh- from shops. Right, right, yeah, especially in Perth Street and places like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that's the way things were at the time. That's the way things were. And I mean, if you were struggling for your... I mean, I, when I look back now on my own life in the middle parish back in the 40s, I was born in 41. No, there was a lot of poverty in the city centre that time. And I often said to myself later... What kind was the poverty for my mother and my father and my grandparents? So it must have been terrible. So when you I, hear all of the weather warnings now and schools being closed for a bit of wind or rain, you must kind of roll your eyes to heaven. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were made to stand our stuff, I think, when we were younger. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here talking to you now. <laughs> all right, bye. Look after yourself, Liam. Appreciate it as always. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, the great bye. Liam O'Higgin. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 
0818-104-106. And you can pick up the phone on our new telephone number, 0818-104-106. To the phone lines we go. Busy morning as usual. Paul, good morning. How are you, boy? I'm good. I'm rattling through a list of Cork mispronunciations. And the latest <laughs> I added this morning was Cork people, well, my mother never said pillow. She always said pillar. Do you know what? Isn't it a pure cock thing like pillar? Yeah, and or, you know, every end in an air. Yeah, but it was more like a pillar case. The pillar case. Right. <laughs> Clean pillar cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the case part right, like, and you'll be like, it's a pillar. <laughs> anyway, we've had a whole lash of them. I must do a list of them, actually, the mispronunciations. He had to go to ho- he had to go to hostable. Hostable there, because he was bit by an Alsatian. An Alsatian bit him. <laughs> an Alsatian. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The list is endless, boy. <laughs> can you add to it? Have you got anything that you can't say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, any time you know, someone is asking you anything, like, you know, do you know, at the dinner table, no, I'd always say, like, noise and fox, like, so because... The word, do you know, the, the collective word, I can have trouble saying it like I call it cockerly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on, try again now. You know very well that it's cutlery. I can say it if I break it down and say it slowly. Like, I can say cutlery. <laughs> but if in the general conversation, like, do you know, like, uh, do you put the cockerly out on the table? Why oh, did you? <laughs> You must be Southside Protestant, are you? Who says cutlery anyway? I, I know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> knives yeah. Knives and forks. Yeah, from cutlery I was born and raised, like. <laughs> I suppose your, your knives and forks, would they even match? For God's sake, boy. Took me here. There were so many of us at home, we had to have turns, by because there wasn't enough spoons for all of us. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> it's like the two young fellas, uh, the two fellas who were in the same classroom, right? Mark Mullen used to tell me this joke years ago. And uh, yeah. one of them was always late, you know? The first brother would get into school maybe at five past nine, but the second fellow wouldn't arrive in until quarter past nine. And the teacher would say to him, what? Um, so where, where were you? Your brother's here before you. What the hell is keeping you so long? You're always late. I was having me breakfast. And what did you have for breakfast? A boiled egg. But your brother had a boiled egg as well. Yeah, but we'd only one spoon. <laughs> had a, he said, had I spoon, had I? <laughs> had, had I spoon? <laughs> I know another one, something like that as well, but I kind of can't say it on the radio. <laughs> is it way too rude, is it? Oh, Jeannie Mac. I'll push you this way. Daisy Hill. Do you ever hear that one, no? Who? Daisy Hill. The two no, boys I, in Daisy Hill. No, no, but, I won't say it on the radio, man. Gee, Chris, man. We're going to die to trouble. I'll tell you what, I'll put you back on hold. You can tell Emer, and if it's okay, I'll bring you back on. No. Go on. <laughs> Good luck, a while. Cheers. He's back on hold there. Let's see how bad jo- that joke actually is. Uh, Dawn, good morning. Seriously, now, seriously, Hi, though. Noel, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Love? I'm good. Um, you just want to pick up on some recent conversations. Is it? Is this to do with? Uh, oh, did you, did you get sick? Did someone get sick? No, did your mo- partner's my mother, mother die? My mother-in-law passed away uh, five days before Christmas in Poland. Oh. And you know, my brother died. I remember, I was on the radio with my no, brother. No, the last Frank. time, the last time we spoke was in September, wasn't it? Yeah, my brother passed away, Frank. Yeah, and was the was the grave vandalized? It was, but no, it wasn't. It was birds. Yeah, we see, we were birds. we were thinking at the time that it could have been. Remember? Yeah, it could have been. They can but, be uh, vicious because they see all oh, of the sparkly, shiny stuff. Okay, well, listen, thank you. Nice to chat with you again. It ended up being birds. And your no, partner's no. mother died uh, five days died before Christmas. Five, four days before Christmas. And we went over and we went to the funeral and all that. But we went to get our PCR test on, on the 30th. And all of a sudden we got the results back on the 31st. And they're 
we came back. They came back, and I was he was positive, and I was negative. While you were out there. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah. And do you mind me asking how his mum died? Was it old age, or was she? Um, on no, she had a bypass, and then she had ah, problems after that. Problem. And did he make it home for that, or was he too late? He made it home for the bypass uh, in September, and when she passed away, we and uh, we were told on the Monday, the twentieth, that she had passed away. Oh, and he wasn't out there; he was in Ireland. That's an awful, sad trip to have to make. Oh, for and he's the, only, he's the only child in as well. I know, I know. So that meant that you had to stay, then, didn't it? I I could fly home, but he couldn't. And is it a funny thing that he that one you know you can be living so next living cheek exactly. to jowl with somebody? Like yeah, I was twenty four seven with him. As I said, I can't understand it. As I said, I slept in the same bed with him. I had my meals with him. I had dinner with him. You name it, and I didn't pick it up. And he did. Now he's still out in Poland at the moment. He's getting his PCR test done today, but he's very not. He's not well at all out there. He's he's a very bad chest infection, and he can't walk that far. And as I said, it's just crazy. So he's hoping to get the PCR test now done tomorrow or today, and the results tomorrow. He's hoping to fly back on Saturday. I know, I know, it's tough. It's you know, it's oh. not the first time I've heard. You know, you can have entire families, and one person yep. contracts it, yep. and everybody else sharing the kitchen and the bedroom and the bed. Exactly. Yep. Nothing. Yep. Yeah. I okay. couldn't understand, and then I'm getting my booster now today at three o'clock in the city hall. And as I said, I'm dreading to get it because, like, with people are listening to your show, and people are saying they're getting very bad reactions from it, and I'm dreading it. Yeah, but the, listen, you know, the chances of it happening to you are very slim. Yeah. You know, I, I have had people on the air for sure, but, you know, yeah. like, you know, you got to make a decision. You've had your vaccines, haven't you? I have all my vaccines yeah. done since, la- and since June. And they're, say- like. and they're saying that if they worked at all, they're no longer working, you know? So that's yeah, why they're exactly. talking about a booster. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the people will be listening, wondering whether your partner ever bothered getting a vaccine. You see, and maybe he that's did. why he got. He so did. Oh he yeah, well, he already, did. yeah. He got he got in September last year. Or there you last go. year, got in September. He got the two boosters, and all of a sudden, then he picked it up. I can't understand. Like, and all his family, we were around all his family with the funeral and all that, and he still picked it up. Just him, yeah. Yep, just yeah. him. Just Has he at all enjoyed his time back in his native country, though, for a little he longer? Did. You know what I mean? Like, we had snow. We didn't expect the snow, but the snow was out there. So I had a white Christmas, a very first time ever out of Cork. My, I've never left my kids for Christmas, and they're 28 and 26. I've yeah. never left them. And the snow then, it was just a white Christmas. So it was beautiful, but, like, the circumstances were just unreal. The circumstances were sad, and then added yeah. to it was yeah. his positive. And you know something? Exactly. He did He did go home, and he was home for a longer period in his native he town. Did. and But at the same time, he was probably stuck in a bedroom, so there's not a whole lot of pleasure in that. Exactly, you know what I mean? He's stuck in one bedroom for nearly, like, at least, well, I left him the 1st of September, or 1st of January, and he hasn't been out, like, he'd been out for a walk yesterday, but he can't walk far. He can't catch his breath or anything like that. So he's going to come home a very sick guy. Yep. Yep, so he has to isolate. As I said, when he comes home now, he, he'll have a place to stay. He has a place to stay, and there's no one living with him, so he's going to stay in his own place. As I said, and I don't know how long he's going to oh, have to Why does he have like. to do that? It's the 13th of January, like. Yes, my money, just, just guessing, like, he would have to do that. I don't know yet. I, I didn't get any information. Not at all, if his PCR comes back negative. Yep. Oh. So I'm, I'm hoping and praying to God that they'll come back negative. All right. Tomorrow. Okay. Do let me know. All right. Thanks very much for hanging me on the right, love. All right. Take care. Bye. Take care, Don. Cheers. Uh, chatting about this and other things yesterday, and one of it had to do with pulling kids out of school in, the, in January to go on sun holidays, and a neighbour of a woman was freaking over it. Uh, hope you're well. I was listening this morning about the lady giving out about going on holidays. It reminded me of a family during the first lockdown. A woman 
whose son was very ill and immunocompromised, was meeting her friend who lived outside the 5K zone and worked with the public, and she met her every day for a walk. That's fine, not my business. But her sister was then ranting every day on social media about her sick nephew at home. And look at all those children playing out in the park green. A disgrace. Blah, 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 blah. In all fairness, you just couldn't keep up with these people. I thought all of this had passed. Well, in the sense that you thought that those are the conversations we were having about looking at everybody else and minding everybody else's business two years ago. Well, it hasn't 100% passed because this is a story from yesterday of a woman who took her kids out of school, is ranting all the time about COVID, but yet is probably in the Canaries with the kids now and the kids should be in school. Uh, I have to agree with those regarding the CUH. I had to bring my mother in over Christmas. She had COVID and was admitted to the A&E as she was so sick. It took eight hours before we ever saw a doctor. I asked on numerous occasions for some help when my mum was getting sick and there was no one available to help us. We were in an isolation room for the night and it was torture waiting to be seen. It's an absolute mess in there. The staff, yes, they were run off their feet and the staff, yes, they were exhausted. Mum ended up being admitted to the COVID ward with pneumonia. We were happy with the care she got once she was in there, although it was five or six days later again when we got to speak to a doctor about our treatment on the phone despite asking every day to speak to somebody for an update. The nurses were very helpful, but it feels like there are no doctors available in there when you need one. I feel very sorry for the staff, but imagine waiting eight hours for an extremely sick woman to see a doctor. That makes it third world stuff. And there's more like that, which I'll come back to. Um, But I see a lot of texts coming on various topics. And I just want to pick up, actually, on the whole idea of tattoos again. Because somebody sent me a photograph of their own tattoo, of their own arm. And it's actually a tattoo of Faisal from American Tale. You know Faisal, one of the little mouse? How do you pronounce it? Fibel? You've got a mask on, so I can never make out what you're saying. Do you not? Did you never watch an American Tale? I think I vaguely remember it from many... or Fibel Goes West. You've me doubting myself now. It is Fievel, isn't it? It's a tattoo of a mouse with a blue hat on. (laughs) (laughs) And the person who sent me the photograph says, does this make me a criminal? (laughs) Should this put me on death row? (laughs) I know. They wouldn't have that now anymore, actually, because there's colour in it. But yeah, Fievel in American Tale. That's like, I can't believe you never watched it. It's amazing. We grew up with Fievel. Well, I did watch it with the kids, but it would have been one of hundreds of thousands of movies that I would have watched at the time. You don't expect me to remember the character name of every mouse, surely be to God. Maybe not, but not the song Somewhere Out That I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Is is Mark a tattoo artist? He is out in Ballancolic. All right, so it's his fault then. He's putting the tattoos on arms and legs on the small of the back. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Do you know that one of the cartoon characters? Do you ever put those on people? I've done quite a few cartoon characters on people. Um, whether I know the cartoon or not, it's a different story. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. They might be cartoons of a kind of a erotic nature, let me say. Uh, not too many of those. So what's the most, what's the most popular tattoo of all? Uh, the most popular tattoo of all would probably be your uh, mandala type tattoos. Your what? Huh? Mandala tattoos. They are uh, very fine line patterns, almost like a paisley design. Of what though? Uh, it's just a pattern, really. That's just that's uh, it's not no no meaning behind it whatsoever. And what's the point? Uh, a lot of people just like the way it looks. I think it's more aesthetic than anything else. Okay, I must get a look at those. I thought we had moved very much onto sleeves now, where an entire arm oh, is inked yeah. up. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, those are project tattoos. You know, you do them over a year or two. Um, but yeah, those are very popular at the moment. 
Do you do names? Uh, names, we tend to try and stay away from couples' names, um, but babies and children and stuff like that, we do do, yeah. But the reason, the reason that you, you go for the son or the daughter is because they'll always be in the personal life. You're saying that the partner mightn't be, is it? Yeah, partners always can always change, you know. And you talk people out of that then? We try to, we try to, um, but sometimes, you know, we're not so successful and they get the names anyway. And do we ever come back then later in life saying the partner's gone? Yeah, yeah. We're just sitting there tattooing the name going, I wonder how we're going to cover this up in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, can, you, can you get rid of a tattoo? You can with laser, um, uh, laser removal. Uh, that's also become very popular at the moment. Is it expensive and painful to get rid of one? Uh, yeah, it, it can add up to quite a bit, uh, depending on the tattoo, of course. But you can get rid of it, or you completely, where you, you look yeah. at where it was and you'll, no, you'll notice nothing, is it? Yeah, that's it. The technology these days has come so far that you can actually just be untattooed. Because some people cover a tattoo with another one, is it? That what they do yes, sometimes? Yeah. That, that's a more common uh, way of approaching a tattoo is when you want to get rid of it. Okay, okay. And are you very busy? Because, of course, more people than ever now are getting... Oh, um, yes, yeah. Um, we are quite busy, yeah. Uh, the pandemic did put a bit of a, a bolster on that, but uh, we are quite busy still, yeah. Because some people need to be, you need to be very careful with regards to the tattoo artists you go to to avoid absolutely. infection, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, do your homework, you know. Um, definitely search around um, and also check out the, the tattoo artist's work to make sure that their style suits your style. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. And do you have any opinion at all then on James saying that he'd never employ somebody with a tattoo and he knows businesses that wouldn't either? What's that about? <laughs> I think that's just an old stigma. Um, you know, it's, you, you make a prejudgment before you actually meet the person just based on what they, they, they sporting tattoo was, you know. Um, seeing someone with a full throat and uh, full sleeve tattoo, um, you already think this guy might be a criminal or... Um, some sort of uh, <laughs> no just, good scumbag, you know? It's just not the case. W was there a time when people associated pretty dodgy tattoos with pretty dodgy people, though? There probably was. There was, yeah. I would probably say about 20 years ago. Mm, or was, longer. But all that, or even longer than that, yeah. It's a fashion statement now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, tattoos aren't cheap at all. So, I mean, if anything, it just shows commitment. <laughs> so, talk, so yeah, when you talk about commitment, it, uh, again, it can depend on the amount of color or the size of it. But yeah. do, do, have you ever sat with a tattoo for a very long time? Yeah, yeah. I've sat personally myself for over nine hours for a tattoo. Nine hours? Yeah. It's tough on you, but it's painful on the person for nine hours, is it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the longer you sit, the worse it gets. And, of well, course, a lot of people will agree with me when the white goes in. That's not fun at all. When the white goes in? Yeah, the white uh, part of the tattoo. Is that the deepest pigment part? Uh, that's just pretty much running all the highlights into the piece to make it pop out. But uh, it's like working on dead raw skin. Oh, man. And does anybody stop halfway through and say, listen, I can't do it. Just leave it as it is. You get a few. A few people break them up into sessions. But... Uh, uh, majority speaking, most people sit through the whole thing. And do you enjoy every one that you do? I mean, what was the worst one that you, that you ever did? You know what? I haven't had a worse tattoo, Neil. Um, I enjoy everybody's story. Everybody has a story, and everybody's so different. And uh, getting to meet these new people, I find it very interesting. I think I enjoy that more than the tattoo process itself. Do you draw the line, then, if it's offensive? Yes. Yeah. We don't do any hate tattoos at all. Any offensive tattoos to anybody, we wouldn't do.
off you go, get it done somewhere else. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mams and dads tattoos. What about the old Indian ink stuff on the knuckles? Yeah, mum and dad, we still do, um, but it's now done a different way. Much cleaner, much neater. So a lot of people still get mum and dad tattoos. And, you know, you, you don't sound as if you're from Cork. Did you learn your art somewhere else? Yeah, I learned in South Africa, Neil. Did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you do, you, do you, do you go to art school for that or, or what is it? Um, it's an apprenticeship. So you would learn from somebody who's been doing it for a few years, somebody that you quite like their style of work. And you sit with them for however long it takes to learn the trade. And you learn it like any other apprenticeship. Exactly. And then you start out on your own and the rest is history. That's it. Yeah. What and you? You also said no tramp stamps. What is a tramp stamp? I know it's lower, <laughs> but what's wrong the, with that? The lower back tattoos. It's not that we wouldn't do them. It's just that nobody gets them done anymore. Why? Um, I think it's just because of the name of it, tramp stamp. Nobody wants to be going into a tattoo shop saying, "I'd like a tramp stamp, please." What? What is that? So, what is it? Is it saying something about a person who has a tramp stamp? Are we, is it no, ma- again, I think that's years ago that name came about. And since then, it's just never really been a good thing to have. Because <laughs> there's a bit of an investment involved. It's not cheap, no? They're not cheap at all, no, Neil. Um, especially with uh, Brexit and uh, COVID and everything, all our prices have skyrocketed. Why, has ink got dearer or something? Yeah, uh, gloves especially have gone up quite considerably. Um, you know, just your basic sort of um, miscellaneous products that you would be using during the process. Okay, okay. You know, all of yeah. that's gone up. Okay, well, continued success with what you do. Um, where oh, where are you? Are you in Balancolic? Yeah, we're based off, just off the main street in Balancolic. Okay, have you got a website, Instagram, anything yeah, like that? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. It's just New City Ink Tattoos. New City Ink Tattoos and Balancolic. Exactly. Mark, exactly. thanks so much for coming on the air. Appreciate Not it. Not a problem at all, Neil. Nice talking to you. You too. Cheers, pal. Take care. Actually, Betty, it's never too late to start. Morning. Good morning, Neil. And you were sick. I'm definitely not getting a tramp stamp anyway. <laughs> so what is it saying? What is it saying about somebody that they call it a tramp stamp? On I don't know. know. That's the, I, actually, that's the first I heard of it. But I got my tattoo for my 60s. I've always wanted a tattoo. And why I'm did you hang around for so long? Because I really couldn't afford it. And then I decided, right, this is it. I'm going to save for it. And I did. And I got it on my arm. And it's not small. It's a huge one. It's of an angel, butterflies, uh, an angel red, there's black, and it comes right down to my wrist. Why an angel? Well, an angel because of my grandmother and stuff. I, I, have, I love angels. And I, I love butterflies. Right. Okay. And so I decided, right, this is it, 60. <laughs> Go ahead, baby, be my eat. And so that's what I did, Neil. And I don't regret it a bit. And if I could afford another one, i get another one. <laughs> was it expensive? <laughs> it was over 300 euros. <laughs> so if you had another 300 euro, what oh, would you yeah. get tattooed? Would it be the other arm, is it? I would get the other arm done, yeah. What would I you would put on it? I'm done. I would, I would actually, because my mother died uh, about three years ago, so I would get something in remembrance to my mother. I would definitely, but I have, I, I have no problem with it. I, I mean, the pain didn't bother me or anything. Ah, you're a hard, you're of a hardier generation. You see, pain wouldn't bother you. <laughs> huh? Oh yeah, 
Definitely, like you have to be, you have to take some chances in life. And any, were any of your friends surprised? Can is is people see it? Obviously, so, oh, people see. I mean, I was down in in Middleton one day, and a woman said to me, oh, "I love your tattoo. Your tattoo is gorgeous." But my my son has tattoos. My daughter has tattoos. And I have a sister that has tattoos, but they're all younger, like, so it was a bit of a, a shock, I suppose, for the poor old fella seeing me coming in. I suppose he thought I was going out of my mind. Listen, it's never too late, and your son and all of the no. family told you, said to you, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, yeah. Ask, people asking life. me, why don't I get a tattoo? Because I just... Do you never have any, in, you know, you just no interest in them. Like. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even yeah. think of what I would even want to put on my body as a tattoo. But this is it. Oh, but I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted the angel. So yeah. when I went in, your men designed it for me. And I... I, it, I know, yeah. Sense. I know, yeah. But you so, see, like, I'm my body is perfect. Like, I don't want to be... T- <laughs> I wouldn't want to be tampering with it in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> well, my body isn't that perfect, but shit, oh. I'd have the tattoo no <laughs> Well done, Betty. This is lovely chatting with you, Betty. If you, Thank you, Neil. If you get Bye. the second one, come back and let me know what it is. Oh, I will, I will indeed. Take bye care, girl. Cheers. Bye. 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 Uh, well done, James, this morning, getting us off on tattoos. Tony. Hi, Neil. How are you? Happy you New Year, and Happy New Year to you, pal. Tell me about you and Kino or what the story is. What happened? Um, you got a holy cow done it there. Uh, I, I'm going to say about five years ago down in Middleton. They were, it was Roy Keane on my shoulder. You live streamed it on the, the morning it was done. <laughs> um, how it happened was the other day were ridiculing Roy Keane and I was on and I think uh, one of the lads below in, in Holy Cow his mother his mother-in-law was on and she got on to the chap below and he he he, he, just, he said he'd do it if I went ahead with it so um, so we went ahead with it I have that's a, that's a tattoo studio in Middleton isn't it the Holy Cow yeah 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 right and we streamed it live of the, you getting Kino's tattoo did it take long? Um, I'd say about three hours, Neil. Oh, for God's sake! And if you, you still clearly have it. It hasn't. It oh, hasn't geez, I don't even wash it. He's he's the king, like. How long ago was that? I say it is about five years, four or five years ah, ago. Fair play. And has Keno seen it? No, no, no. One of his brothers has already, but Roy didn't. Roy Keane hasn't seen it at all. Ah, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I suppose it would be nice for him to see it. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind, like. Uh, what is it? Head and, just remind me again. Is it head and shoulders? It's, yeah, a bust, like, and uh, Captain Roy Keane, you know? The whole, the, himself, like. I'd say he'd love to see that. No, like, no. nobody called me a fucking nut or what? I'm sorry about the language. <laughs> I don't think he would. <laughs> He'd probably say I'm as bad as him, like. <laughs> have you been a fan all your life? I have, yeah, I have. I have. He was some operator, wasn't he? Still is, actually. Ah, uh, he's... He's the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son, actually. Do you remember when they brought out these little dolls of soccer players? They could. They were. I think they were called kickomatics. I do, yeah. Do you know the one I mean? Now you could. I get, do, yeah. yeah. Well, and you could buy one, and you could give it as a present or keep it. My son has the keen one of those, still in the box, absolutely pristine. Oh, we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that would be twenty years ago, anyway, wouldn't it? Easy, so he figures that if he holds on to it for maybe another 20 or 30 years, he'll make a fortune because it's still in the box. The Kino Kick-O-Matic. Oh, I'd say, well, Neil, I have a, I have, I have a, a letter of football that was signed by him. He'd done a Q&A there in, um, 
in Silver Springs. I'm going to say it was 2017, and it was my son actually got it for me, uh, and I still have it here. I was never touched. But, um, so you've I, never. I, I, but I wouldn't part with it. You you've nev- so you've never met him, no? Oh, I did. Yeah, ah, I thank did. God I, for I, did. I did. I met him. I was. Uh, I was actually, you'd know, the uh, holiday shop there on the bottom of Fair Hill, you know? I do know it, yeah. I was in the cleansing department in Cork Corporation, and I was sent up one day to have a look at the shore there outside holiday shop. <laughs> and he, the next thing was the lights changed, and I was looking at the shore, and I took my head up. I was, and uh, the next thing was, I saw the car, and I said, is that right, Keane? <laughs> so, like, he took, and uh, he he kind of was to be able to read my lips, but they turned around the corner, anyway. I kind of made the gesture to him when he signed the, uh, an autograph he turned around the corner he got out of the car and he uh, he done the autograph for me the other day like. see there you go an incredible guy stopped his car got out signed the oh, autograph yeah, yeah, he yeah. just didn't drive on he did no 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 he didn't, right he didn't and Dennis Irwin I, I, I met Dennis Irwin I went to his mother's house in Toker his sister arranged for me to take the two wives <laughs> and myself out <laughs> and Dennis done photographs outside the house what? so is Kino's on the arm is he the tattoo Oh, he is, yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, you have another yeah. arm free if you want to put put Dennis Herman on it. <laughs> Are you going to look after it? <laughs> <laughs> I did I did one arm already. Sure, one, your board can't fly on one wing. Go on away from me. <laughs> <laughs> if a tattoo artist contacts me now and says that they'll put um, Dennis Herman on your other arm, I'm happy to facilitate that if somebody calls me. How about that? Uh, yeah, sure. We'll have a go off it, and then we can then we can share the photographs or share the video of it. You never know what might happen. Let's put well, it out there. All right. Well, the two two greatest cock footballers, I'd say, like two greatest cock soccer players. I suppose not. I'm having the two of them. Well done, have one, you know? well done, well done. Let's see if it'll happen. It might happen. I'll be back to you if it does. Cheers, Thank Tony. You, All the best, Mike. Take care. Bye back bye, after bye the bye. break. you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number 0818-104-106. Please hang up and try again. Cork's Red FM. <laughs> Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. My wife tells me that story from 1994 on the air calling up and giving up my credit card number to buy World Cup tickets was actually on April 1st back in 1994 so it was an April Fool's joke back in the day so happy to clarify that it's been a, it's been well it's 20 years ago. Right uh, last bit of business two 150 euro vouchers for Satori Clinic on Langford Row in the city your opportunity to head down there and get some acupuncture, cupping, acupressure, or any one of the treatments they do, the therapies they have that could help you with the major uh, health, uh, sorry, the majority, I should say, of health disorders. So three songs, artists and titles, please. Callers 10 and 11. These three songs, artists and titles in the right order. Get dialing now, 0818-104-106. That'll do you. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.